making your car cool is like part of drifting. Like I, I'll, I'll say. You ever hope to see FDF make a angle kit for Miatas? So there is one that's very similar to like an FDF kit. The burnout rate in drifting, especially in Tennessee drifting, is way too short. Every time that you step up like your tow rig, or your car, or anything, you're gonna up the cost of it. There's a trade-off of like fun to dollars, right? At some point, you're going to cross where your personal threshold is. If you could say that money just wasn't an issue, what would your dream tow rig be? Because, like, that rig Taylor Ray just got, holy f***. So all I could see at that point was I was missing a strap, and I pulled over. I had one strap left holding the car. No way! And we kind of came to the conclusion of it's the wheel and tire fit makes a car. Since you are an engineer, and when you do have to work on a car do you get as pissed as us normal folk do whenever you run into a certain way something is built on a car and you're like these goddamn yeah. engineers look they said that i couldn't do it so i went and did it w's only you know i've been welcome back to the number one drift podcast on youtube i am dawson and we have cameron nice to meet you and thank you for coming on uh, before we get into it, of course, uh, I am actually at LS Fest as this episode drops. So for if any reason you are watching this while you're there, I don't quite know why you would, but come say hi. Uh, I'll be around the Scotty, Scotty D and them. Uh, and then also Ford Fest is coming up the 28th. I will be there as well with the Scotty D team. So come out, say hi and have a good time. But if any of you guys do need any wiring specialty stuff, I know some of you have used it. Uh, the code before it is 5% off circle, circle drift. Yeah. Circle drift is a code. Uh, I'll always leave link in the description of every video. So go down there, check it out. If you need it, don't forget to subscribe button. Of course, <laughs> I almost forgot that part, but other than that, I will let you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us kind of who you are. All right. Uh, so my name's Cameron Stone. I have been driving for, uh, I think like five ish years now. Um, I drive a little white Miata, like. Hot boy body kit. Hell so. yeah. Yeah, KVD. <laughs> um, Shout out to you. We love you, KVD. I don't think of what else. Uh, yeah, I just drive in Tennessee, as many of the Tennessee events as I can. And then I've been trying to venture out to some more other events. So I've been driving a lot of like drift indie events Hell and yeah. stuff like that. Anywhere I can go, really. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were actually just talking a little bit before the podcast uh, about how... Um, kind of entrepreneurship and stuff like that and taking different paths and you're really dedicated to just wanting to go out and have fun drifting yeah so that's tell me I do. tell more or less them because you just told me but your reasoning behind that yeah uh i guess i take a whole different viewpoint of all this stuff than you do on this <laughs> but uh yeah i've went down the whole path of like separating i guess that's the best way we yeah. described it is separating your work and like i guess hobby right that way you know you get the i don't know i wouldn't call it the best of both worlds because like best of both worlds is obviously like you know getting paid to do what you yeah love, but being able to drift and make the money without having any stress that would be ideal but that's yeah kinda impossible yeah but there's always trade-offs with everything right so you either like do what you know do something that like you don't hate to do but or like in my my opinion, I, I actually enjoy my work. Yeah. Um. It's just not at all car related. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, get paid decently to do it. Do it's like a you know, I know I work like a salary job basically. So, 
That way I could do what I need to do, take off whatever days I need to. I always have the weekends off. Every drift event is always on the weekend. So if you mm-hmm. kind of, you're, you're messing up if you're working weekends in the drifting community, it seems. Yeah, so, I was there for a little while. And let me tell you, I fucking hated it. Don't ever do that. Yeah, it stinks. It, it always stinks. It's like, oh yeah, I want to go to an event or work. Yeah, if you're inherently <laughs> spending all your money to go to the drift event. You might as well not lose your income while spending it. It's yeah. like double dip in there. Everything's twice as expensive at that point. I agree. I so. agree. No, I just I always thought that was kind of important because uh, you can take multiple paths and it's totally dependent on what your goal is. For me, I know you said you kind of just want to keep it separate. That way you can purely enjoy drifting and for me i want it to just be like my life like that's all i fucking do every day but i'm i'm totally cool with the stress that comes along with it because it's a fuck ton and you've heard of people your friends and stuff you're talking about yeah i mean i i hear it all the time with people that are like i have a lot of friends from back in the day that like honestly make decent money doing like working at dealerships and stuff and like you know everybody's got their their viewpoint of working at dealerships uh like my own stuff i did it yeah but at the end of the day like if you need to work on your own car and you've just like whether or not you've made enough money or whatever doing it at work you probably don't want to come home and and work on it Mm yeah hell even i i have the same thing so i I work like a you know desk job like uh recently i've been like working from home quite a bit and so when i get off of work i'm amped to go outside yeah and go do something like let me go out in the heat and like crawl under my car like piddle with something i hate working on my car but like i I like tinkering yeah slight difference between tinkering and working on your car but you know i'm real happy to go tinker with it but i mean days that i'll go in for like or like engineering builds and stuff like yeah yeah after like actually doing like physical labor all day i get home and i'm just kind of i don't want to sit on the couch and i don't want to do anything not even that like that's that that's the trade-off man it's it's crazy because yeah, I don't even do any physical, well, real physical labor like I used to. I'm sitting behind a cu- computer editing car videos all day, so the last thing I want to really do is go out and mess with my car. But I also, like, I'm building other shit, too, besides car stuff. So, like, it's, it, you really have to just absorb the trade-off. Um, and I like to point that out because a lot of people see influencers and stuff. Uh, they just have the golden life and they're getting to do all this car stuff and everything's happy go lucky. Fuck no. <laughs> no it was Those on, like, motherfuckers Reddit one are time. hard workers, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, that the Haggard Garage Extended Universe Reddit, man. They got real salty one day. They saw like Adam LZ in the background of a, a Jimmy Oaks video and they were like, Oh my God, is he depressed? He's not smiling. It's like, no, man, that's just like, he's, <laughs> he's got just a, not on, He's taking care of business, yeah, dude. He's doing something in the background, man. He's not smiling all the time. Like, yeah. he's, he's all happy in his videos. He's, you know, living the life. But like, you know, sometimes you just got to like take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. It's not like the wildest thing. But yeah. There's trade-offs to everything. Oh yeah, that's for sure. All right. Sorry. Besides that fact, we'll, we'll get on to the more drift-related stuff, I guess you could say. Uh, so I've kind of watched you, well, not necessarily you, this is actually the first time I've ever really met you, and but I've seen you in your car a fuck ton of times, but, uh, <laughs> I've seen your car kind of go through a major transition of just being almost completely stocked to now it's this gangster ass, probably one of the stylish, most stylish Miatas in Tennessee, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's gone 
or like kind of quite the the path right because uh my kind of my background you know we talked about like all this work stuff but like yeah you know not to delve too much into that but i i first started like spectating events and like wanted to do it back in like 2008 2009 and kind of found that I couldn't afford to do it. So I stepped back quite a bit um, and went back to school. And I really, I can't do two things at once, man. Like my, yeah. I don't know if it's like ADHD or, or what, but I cannot do two things at the same time. I cannot work and go to school at the same time. I can't, oh, like, no, 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 not like that. I no. can't do drifting in school at the same time. Like in my head, I'll prioritize the wrong thing. So I like, I set <laughs> it all, all to the side. And like, I still watch like FD and like, you know, surf forums and, and all that Some stuff. Some y'all need to take note of that. So when I got into <laughs> drifting, like, so I had the Miata from, like, it was my college car, like, to get me to and from classes and stuff. So I had oh, that yeah. car, and I, I got it in my head. I was like, I just need to drive it and mm -hmm. just, like, put laps down. And I I watched a lot of, like, Aaron Losey's original videos where he would, like, talk about how, like, the biggest thing is just to go get seat time. And, like, yeah, like, making your car cool is, like, part of drifting. Like, I, I'll, I'll say like make your car cool like it's part of drifting to make it cool looking but like what what you consider cool looking is you know up to you ah uh, don't pussyfoot that nope make your car cool it's not no nope. cool cool is an no, opinion cool is an opinion. <laughs> I, I think like everybody's definition of cool drifting is cool drifting but you know some people like you know the dirt bikes of drifting so no well that's the that's the good thing about drifting is there there can be different types of cool because you'll meet people that are like it's got to have three pieces it's got to be slammed on its nuts and that's cool to them and then you'll meet people that are like it's got to be race car the fuck out all cut bumpers holes everywhere yeah and that's cool as fuck that's the good thing about drifting nobody's on your well nobody's on your ass too much about it. yeah yeah sometimes depends on where you're at yeah <laughs> but Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. But yeah, that, that was like kind of my mindset. So I, I ran a, the car as a stock 1.6 Miata for about a year. It's, it's man, 1.6 Miata is gutless. As, as much as like I tell people, if anybody has a stock. leg was strong as fuck, man. Right leg was just pinned the whole time. Like that's all I could do. Um, yeah, I just got. Yeah, but you said ba-bam, ba-bam, ba-bam. Clutch kicking the fuck out of it. That was be. awful. But um, yeah, no, I, I ran that until I got real mad at a one of Barry's events. It was the uh, Smoky Stadium event. It was a Smoky Stadium event because mm -hmm. it's a parking lot event. Have you been to Smoky Stadium before? I have yet to go to one of the. I've been to Smoky Stadium, but I've yet to go to one of the events. Okay. They, it's on the parking lot, and there is a clear divide uh, of like what goes from concrete to asphalt. Oh, God. <laughs> and it had rained that day, and it was patchy. And so the you know if you're driving like a very low horsepower car, you have one line. To oh go yeah, of course. And so that one line, like you know, I had been to Smoky Stadium before, and like I'll you know in a stock one six Miata, I'm just like I'm sitting there getting the most laps of anybody out there because like I'm just getting back in line constantly. <laughs> um, and I just couldn't do it that day, uh, because it would I'd come hauling in because the concrete was dry, then I'd hit wet asphalt and just the car would slip out into Neverland. Um, 
and then I'd finally like kind of get the back end back under it and yeah. try to get it to build speed up. But then I'd hit the concrete and grip back up, and I'm just <laughs> back straight. <laughs> I was so mad that um I went. So at the time I was building a 1.8 and I was going to put a 1.8 Natchi aspirated into it mm-hmm. as like step stoning it into like turbo setups and cause it that's like one of the big things that kills people when they're trying to like you know do swaps and stuff is like they try to do too much at once and mm-hmm. then when something goes wrong they're like not sure what broke so i was like okay well i'm gonna from go do a 1.6 to 1.8 swap which is in the miata industry is like very simple yeah like you just buy a little swap kit you use as far as the ECU and the whole car is concerned, it's still 1.6, but you just basically throw a 1.8 on yeah, it. All just the throw sensors. the motor in it, plug it all up, it's whatever. Yeah, it's pretty standard for, you know, in the industry of, like, what you do with Miatas. And I was going to do that and then run it for a while and then, you know, then switch to a Mega Squirt with it actually aspirated, then mm-hmm. swap injectors in and then put the turbo setup on there and all that. And after after that one event, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. too much. I can't do it. Yeah, so... I, yeah, I want to say. I've well, been... did you? Would you say that? Um, because you were saying that d- from at the Smoky Stadium event, driving like that. Would you say that kind of helped progress your driving more, though? So do you, well, that in yeah. those conditions, probably not, because that that was a frustrating experience, and like it, there was, you know, every once in a while you get to a situation where like you you're not winning, and I don't think like, yeah, there's like no way. I don't think there's really anybody that could have won that situation just because yeah. you're. If the entire thing was like one like grip level, I think something could have happened there. But like I was trying different lines and different this and different that, trying to like get it to work. And at one point, um man, what's the guy's name? I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna feel so bad. What the guy <laughs> that runs grid at various events. Oh fuck. Brian Shiraldi. His name. Yeah. Um he looked at me and was like, You need to calm down, you're about to hit this curb because i was trying to swing the the loose section out as wide as i could so i could keep momentum up as much as possible coming out of it and he was basically like you gotta you gotta calm down like you're gonna smack that (laughs) you're gonna fuck it all up for us it's the only way that i found that i was like getting a little bit of speed because you have to like keep your momentum up now like when it comes to like running a like low horsepower car, like a 1.6 Miata. Like if you can, if you can whip a 1.6 Miata around a track, like successfully, like stock, like you're good. Like not, Dude. I wouldn't say like go over and like sit in a 800 horsepower LS car or something. And like, you're going to rip, but like, you know, you, you would do a lot better than someone that has just driven, say an LS car since day one with wise fab. You're going to have a lot better understanding of, driving the car instead of being driven by the car there's like Mm -hmm. a slight nuance to it and like knowing to you know pull some angle out here so you can extend because you know if you got a lot of power like you don't really need to worry about extending for the for lack Mm -hmm. of better term you just kind of mad on it and you know crab walk it out to wherever you need to go and that's fine but it's not very exciting looking and yeah yeah. Um, the, the, I hate track, the one thing I hate the most is when someone throws it into a corner with big angle and they just let it bounce right off the fucking stoppers and then they catch it and try and drive through it. I can't stand that. That's that just shows me you haven't actually there's some learned how to drive. 
there's a technique thing to it. And it, it this is like the now if you're throwing backies, like, there's a different story because you're you're literally you got to let it bounce off fucking locks and catch it to where it still keeps it backward. Now I haven't learned that. I haven't fucking been able to do a backie yet. I don't think I've I've never purposely done a backie. I don't think I've like gotten pretty close, just like throwing them in on yeah. like. I tried a couple times at mid pond, but it was a little muddy that day, so I didn't want to risk it too much. That's a, that's a risky move at mid pond. Exactly, it really is so, like a turn for mid exactly. pond to do that. <laughs> There's not. I want to say like the last time that I like did one, it wasn't even really on purpose. It was just like me messing around at like a drift indie event at Killcare, and it's just because like coming into the infield, like on a clockwise, yeah. On the clockwise, like normal drift day mm-hmm. run, you end up coming really fast into like a deradiusing sweeper. So I was like, I've at one point figured out like you could throw like a ton of angle and you stay matted, you'll slowly add angle and it would like do the whole deradiusing part of it. Yeah. And you kind of like throw it back into it and it was really fun. I haven't been able to do it since, but I was like consistently doing it. Yeah. So I was that's, also the shit I wanna learn. that's the type of drifting that I care about. Yeah, technique stuff is is really like fun. That. I love doing that stuff. It's just, you know, you got to run a bunch of, <laughs> of like solo laps to like really understand where those are. And yeah, that solo is laps true. can get kind of you know. I hate to say solo laps are boring, but they like are. unless you're like challenged by a track, like solo laps get well. Yeah, once you, once you know how to drive your car, I mean, whether it's like you're an insane driver or not, like if you if you can tandem and hold a a line a consistent line every time then you kind of get bored of your car from where it's at and you want to tandem and then once you tandem in that experience you kind of it's dude it's like the first class plane ticket effect like once you once you get to that point it's hard to kind of downgrade yourself yeah that's that's where i've like tried to get myself out of that mindset a little bit because there there's plenty of tracks that seem really really simple and like people do like they'll like link the track and like oh yeah we've got it and then they're like oh yeah let's go into tandems but you know there's there's linking the track and then there's driving what would be a like the right line through the track yep and it takes a little bit more time to figure that out and if you if you spend time prioritizing that it makes the single line a little bit nicer Mm -hmm. to driving because you feel like you're you're still you're still learning something. You're still progressing. You're still trying something. It's definitely not as fun to watch, and it's not as yeah, like yeah. you know hanging out with the buddies and like having a good time with everybody type of feeling. But there's still some fun to be had there. And what I've found recently is there's a lot of a lot of the newer tracks are becoming are coming up that are a lot more difficult to drive. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of the tracks that were getting really popular started started to get like a lot of easy tracks like clarksville to me is like the easiest track of all and I, i'll tell anybody yeah. if you want to learn how to close. yeah if you want to learn how to drive come to a clarksville event like hopefully it's not too far from you but because yeah. they're always on sundays bad day to have a drift event but like, <laughs> you know if you come out to a clarksville event it'd be the best event to like learn how to drive at it's really simple everything's like constant learn. radius it's a it's a figure eight and then when you want to learn how to tandem everything's constant radius figure eight Mm-hmm. with a lot of runoff and it's not really fast like like you can learn how to tandem really good on that track yeah but it's super easy and the same with like um like bowling green is a super simple track once you get it 
once you realize you LS never Fest, run the wall. The LSFS layout? Yeah, LSFS yeah. layout is super fun, it, but it is really relatively easy as long as you don't try to ride the wall because secret if wall you do, is not a concert. If you do commit race. to it, yeah, it's not a perfect It's like an egg shape. Because of the, the, the entrance is on that side, so the wall kind of curves in a little bit early, so you have to watch out for that. You'll really fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that have eaten that wall, <laughs> and... It, it's just it's not it's not a constant radius no. like u shape so if you ride the wall you got to know to like throw more angle at it at the at right the area end, yeah so i generally like, like the last i would say third of yeah. the entire sweeper i would say the last half of it is like that because well in reality well, it's, 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 it's not true, even like the yeah. full width of it yeah. right because it, it has stops that about thing. 25 feet short 25 30 feet yeah, so I always like I'll throw it up at the wall, but then let the car dive down a bit and then run a, like a midline. Yeah, the way I found was fairly good to get up closer to the wall, which I never like. I would still I've hit that wall numerous times, so I would be a little cautious when doing it. But coming down to the more inside of the run up and then flicking it out towards the wall that way you get a little bit momentum towards it and it kind of carries you out through that initial um entrance to the sweeper yeah if you can if you can throw it and then let the car like swing out and then once you get on throttle it'll kind of start to pull you down in the right way mm -hmm. you'll run the wall about perfect yeah but it it's pretty risky. Make your butt pucker. <laughs> yeah. But other other than that, it's a very simple track. But like a lot of the newer ones have that have come out recently have been like you know, you, you don't really want to run tandems. Like the new Polecat, y'all. It's coming up soon. It's gonna be a crazy yeah. event. Polecat was like one of those ones where I didn't run a tandem run the entire time and I honestly wasn't ready after two days of really? driving to Wow. Like I probably could have, but it it would have been like two people on the same track together. Maybe the first half. The That's first fair. half, I would have, you know, I could probably get with somebody and if they were running the right line. But you could easily run the first half and just run the middle line, and that would be awful to try to follow. <laughs> um, but if somebody was running that one, kind of sweeping around, like I could have done that one. But the back half, like it's so fast. The uphill is so long and so fast that like my car was just topped out and like I was trying to give it the beans, like <laughs> everything it had to try to make that work. And it was rough. Oh, was, sure. But I mean, that that's to me, that's fun, though. It's like that's that's the other side, like tandeming and like, you know, getting on doors and like having fun with your friends is really fun. But like sometimes you just got to like look at it the other way and say, like, let's go drive some technical tracks and see what what like the. I love single technical line stuff. stuff is that's that's my jam is technical stuff. That's why I like mid pond so much. Cause the vibe's perfect and the track is really technical. Yeah, mid pond just it's so it'll it destroys cars. Dude, it, yeah, it, no argument there. In the the lightest way possible. Like I had I for the longest time didn't have like a clean event there. Like I would either I would kept breaking my car. Like so the first time no I way. went, I couldn't keep the car from overheating. I could do three quarters of a lap before my car would overheat this is with the turbo setup so it's not like a stock miata was overheating there yeah but it, yeah, yeah. And honestly you're gonna probably struggle with a like relatively stock miata there unless you have like 100 psi in the rear of like a, yeah. some 185s or something that uh that the big sweeper even that's a little rough in a z yeah 
in my car i'm like sitting on limiter like the entire time just extending that one oh yeah you're you're like barely have any angle riding the very edge of that sweeper yeah. and then at the last second just trying to chuck it and hopefully you stay on track it's like yeah there's a lot of that car is a lot of like on throttle like dig out and then throw a lot of ankle for a second to slow down and then on throttle dig out so yeah it super low horsepower cars are kind of hard to do and my biggest issue is that like you're on throttle for so much of the lap and you're like trying to dig out for so much of the lap yeah. that it's just bakes your car so yeah. yeah my first time there was i could make it three quarters of the way around the track before my car would hit 220 <laughs> and i'd be like oh gotta i was so pissed then the second time i went there uh you know it's in the mud because it's alabama um yeah. And every time I seem to go there, it's right after it rained. Uh, per usual, yeah. Yeah, so I dropped, like, one tire into the grass, and it started to, like, pull me out on the the sweeper that goes around the the lake or the little pond. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, well, I'm not going to dig through their mud mistake because um, I'm usually, like, try to be nice to people's grass. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll let out, and I'll just drive through the corner and then get back on. No, there's a ditch there. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up punching. So I've got my uh, intake air temp tapped into my intercooler behind, like between the intercooler and the radiator. So yeah. it shoved my intercooler into my radiator and popped a hole in the radiator. <sighs> Fuck, dude. At like 11 a.m. or something. We had just started driving. So oh, man. Rip. I, I I understand we're trying to respect the grass. I, I do too, but there's like there's a fine line you gotta you you gotta kinda play with the throttle a little bit once you hit the grass because we just have so I many issues barely in Tennessee it. with it. We do we always get in trouble with it in Tennessee. Yeah. Like NSS is always getting dug up. Well, that's because they're just so fucking weird about their grass on the infield. Yeah, but they I mean I may be I may be in the the wrong opinion here, but if they <laughs> we they, probably all are, yeah. They ask us to stay off the grass, and then what do people do? They do like a burnout through the grass after the finish. And you're yeah. like, yeah, uh, that's mean, excessive. Now, like if you drop both rear tires off in the grass, and you're just trying to like, you you don't want to just stay stomp in it and completely destroy the gas, but you don't want to further the damage as well. So you kind of have to throttle it a little bit to where it just kind of gives you a tiny bit of grip to pull you back into the road rather than just keep falling out into the grass yeah and that i mean i'm not saying like dropping a tire is like the greatest sin of all time well, but no, like i'm always trying to not be the guy that just digs yeah. all that out <laughs> so oh people go all the way off and then they'll, they'll get pissed that they went off and then just fucking stomp it all until they get back to the concrete like, what the fuck at nss there's that like giant um uh, gravel pit so if you do that you just like get oh, all yeah, the rocks and rock stuff all over in the, the fans <laughs> but they like put it all over the track when you do it that was the last NSS too, event was yeah. like similar to that where it like kind of rained and at one point they everybody had cut the inside so much that there was just Oh my! My car looks yeah. so nasty, and some there's like some of the like drone footage came out and stuff, and it, man, just <laughs> I'm gonna be very PC about this and and not describe what it looked like, but it looked pretty bad. The Beep. entire backside of my car was brown, <laughs> uh. and I did not go off that entire day. I may have like Damn. dropped a tire that day, but it was just the track got so nasty that. Mm. 
it's a white car. That's it, the one it thing shows that sucks stuff. about fucking rain drifting and shit. Anyways, damn, where were we, dude? Oh, uh, and I, sorry, we don't even really have to go by all of this either. It's just, just kind of there. In sorry, case I, we... I'll go down a rabbit hole. Oh no, rabbit holes are great. I'm cool with rabbit holes as long as it's about like cars and stuff. That's fine. But yeah, I think we honestly didn't get past the first one. We I were don't think we did either. Nostalgia, we kind of covered that. Uh... Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. I was getting to a point there that <laughs> I wanted to get back to. Um, for was... clarification, we lost where we were for a second. So yeah. we were trying to figure it out. So we were talking about going from stock to like kind of a cool car or whatever. Yeah. And that the the point that I was going to where I before I went down the wild <laughs> what rabbit was hole. Twenty five. Twenty five minutes ago, probably. Yeah. Um, I waited like four years, three, I was like three and a half years, I think, before I put much thought into the style aspect of the car, other than make it low, because low is cool, right? Mm -hmm. And destroyer die drop knuckles inherently make your car way too low. If you, any of the Miata guys, just be prepared. If you put a destroyer die drop knuckle on your car, go talk to BC and get longer shocks. Oh, really? They are they are so much of a drop that my wheel was inside of the fender. I was dang near tucking fifteens with Holy a standard shit. BC setup. It I don't know what happened, like where the kind of measurement stuff messed up, but I've had I had to get extended front arms. Actually I made it work, I think, at first, but then when I put the body kit on the car, the body kit yeah, was, was like half an inch off the ground and i needed to find a way to raise it it was just yeah. not going to happen i was i w did one event like that and i went through like an entire pack of zip ties and <laughs> after every lap was like zip tying bumpers and side skirts and stuff back on and i was like i can't do this like i i love cool drift cars but i'm not gonna go after every lap and yeah, -zip yeah. tie bumpers on um so how you had it was just the shock you had to, just a longer shock yeah you just get a long uh they they did have they had me buy a longer shock and a BC, longer spring. Uh, yeah, if you just, you can, you don't even have to call them. You can like just send them like a thing on their like live chat thing and they, they kind of know what to do there. You just kind of tell them that you have like, oh, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll hand you off to whoever you need to go yeah. to. Or if you want to, BC is fucking phenomenal with customer service. Yeah. And then the ones that I got, I think were a hair too long because right now mine are bottomed out like as low as they can go and they're, a little bit higher than I. So would did prefer. they have to like custom make it, or is it something that they just had on the shelf that they no, could send out to you? Just off the shelf because all their stuff Shit. is like generic shocks, right? They, I guess they're what makes BC their BC is like kind of how they valve it or whatever. But mm -hmm. like all that stuff is just you can actually if you figure out their part number scheme, you can go on their website and figure it out yourself. If you want to do that, if you really just don't want to go, talk <laughs> um, because I I spent a while trying to You're do that, that at much first. Of a psychopath. Yeah, so because I, I, I went through there to try to like figure it out myself to try to like get the exact size shock that I needed, but the, mm -hmm. they know what you're asking for. They've done it for so many people now. Yeah, um, to get a longer shock in there, they, it's literally their job. That's what they do all day. So yeah. just hit them up. Whatever questions you have, they got you covered. I promise. Yeah, BC's been pretty good. I mean, those ones I had on the car, I put like they're. The rears are the same ones that I had when I first put the car on coilovers. So I 
they have like probably 50 or 60,000 miles on them. Damn. Hell the, yeah. The front ones, obviously, I changed when I put the body kit on. But, all right, sorry, down, down on another tangent. I'm no, going to pull, pull it back real quick. So, the I waited till. I thought I was done crashing my car and learning what I needed to do with a with like a stock car with like the only thing that was like stylish in my mind was like it had some wheels on it that I thought looked cool but were actually like kind of cheap reps um and the car was low but other than that like I didn't really put any like mindset in the style of it mm-hmm. but once I got to a point where I was like I think I can figure this out I've been like able to like not spin I could go entire events without spinning my car and like yeah you know I could trust like the people around me that's when I finally was like okay I'm gonna put a body kit stuff on my car and I went over and uh shout out to Cody painted my car oh he's gonna be mad about that because now people are gonna more people are gonna ask him to paint his oh he may be able to paint cars oh don't put that in there (laughs) (laughs) no you want to come paint mine (laughs) yeah uh he's always complaining about people wanting to paint him to paint cars no, um, I, I want to do my own. I, I had someone paint mine last time, but I want to do it this time. I was gonna, I was gonna try to paint it myself, but I he paints cars, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. We'll just need to find a paint booth and stuff to do it oh, in." Yeah. And we like went down that road, getting man. all that done. And I was like, "Well, if he's gonna offer to do it, like I guess I'm not gonna, because otherwise if I'm gonna do fashion sin, but go for it." Yeah, I was gonna go buy like a compressor and <laughs> and like build a booth thing in my garage and. What I'm gonna do, you know, like I was gonna do all that, and he was like, I can't, I honestly can't let you do that, you know, because there's somebody in the industry, you know, he's, no, he's I, I, I don't, like, I don't blame him. He's trying, to... he's trying to keep his reputation and so in check, not I mean, he, he killed it, it looked great. So, I mean, I just rounded the car off in a year after that. I thought I was done crashing. <laughs> so that was the that was the trick. I thought I was like, oh man, I'm done crashing the car, like, dude, paint, no, uh-uh. every time you car. paint your car, you're gonna crash it, it was, almost. If not, if it's not the first event after, it's the next one coming. It's one of the first two. It's got to be. The first you event get it after that with. was an NSS event, and I tore the front and the rear bumper off the car <laughs> It like and dragged them around the track. Like, yeah. Scuffed all that up. I remember right before that event, I was so mad because I tried to load it onto the trailer with the front bumper on, and I scratched the front bumper. I was like, oh, man, I can't have nice things. <laughs> and uh, so I got that all, you know, it was mad about that then i drug the car or bumpers all around then the next event i think it was yeah i think it was the next event was a clarksville event mm-hmm. and then poor colby like ran out of gas in front of me and so his car oh, straightened fuck. up took my fender out and damn you know I always make sure you got gas yeah <laughs> he didn't mean to do it but sucks, we it's a dude. it's a joke now i always tell him to put gas in his car yeah no yeah good be, be a good sport about it but that that does suck so but yeah, I I mean that car, I had it in a paint booth the next August. Like I didn't even, no, it lasted a year and a month before it was back in a paint booth. Damn. Because I had, like, both the front I mean, fenders were you. crushed, both the doors were crushed, both the quarters were crushed. Yeah, son. I was like, man, can't have nice. Looks things. good in pictures though. <laughs> yeah, it looks good for twenty feet. <laughs> no, I started to look rough in pictures. You saw my bacon fenders out there. Them things are crusty, but I got new ones. I got new ones. They're sitting on the shelf. But now I'm, I'm going to have to buy overs and shit anyways because of FDF. Actually, what angle kit do you run, did you say? Uh, Destroy or die. Destroy Okay. How do you like that kit? It's good. I mean, it's it works. I Would you suggest it over any, any of the other ones on the market? I know like FDF and GK Tech don't really make any kits, but... They're kind of, in my opinion, the 
best option for Miatas. So really? yeah, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here for a second. I don't trust a lot of people's cut knuckles because okay. the kind of the engineering mindset of mine is like how much thought process did they go into with a cut <laughs> knuckle? And no no offense, it could drive the well. downfalls of being an engineer. <laughs> you know, like, they could be doing a great job with cut knuckles, but like at the end of the day, it's a lot of them are whatever somebody put together and then it worked and so they made a jig off of it and yeah so who knows yeah. like you know a lot of miata knuckles cut knuckles i can see like unfortunately i've had a miata for like 10 plus years now mm-hmm. i think um yeah it's coming up on 10 years uh you can i can kind of tell when you look at a cut knuckle of like where the tie rod pickup point is mm-hmm. of like how much angle it is and they just slam that thing it's like when when people have coilovers first thing you do with a when you put coilers on a car, you slam the thing down yeah, to see how low it yeah. goes, right? Yeah. That's what it seems like a lot of these like cut knuckles look like. Not all of them, but like some of them. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you're going to have like 60 degrees of angle, but you're also going to hit everything because it's just a knuckle. So you're not, it's not like somebody giving you like an extended lower or anything with it, like stock upper arms. Like there is no upper arm that really gives you a whole lot of clearance. Yeah. Like, even the destroyer yeah. die upper arm isn't that wild. Until you go into like the what's that company called? Make a yellow one. Oh man! See James me. Tucker, he makes his. I, I can't remember if that's like a lower control arm or what, but he makes his own, and it's to where it's adjustable. So he gets like a lot more. Oh, he did that on his upper arm. Shit. Was it the upper? It was a rear upper because he did like this high okay. joint upper arm. He did a fuck fucking good ass job. Yeah, with what he did, but those ones are cool. I I like how uh uh Destroyer Die did it this way and then um I, I kind of designed something for Tiller to make. So if you ever need like adjustable uppers, go contact Tiller. Uh Oh yeah. But he uh it's just like a weld-on thing for a stock knuckle, so you can put an eccentric on it. And so Sick. eccentrics are really easy to adjust on the fly, right? If yeah. you're like, "Oh yeah, I need a little more rear camber, a little little less," you just 17. Yeah move it over whereas like uh the what do you call them kind of the way that uh james tucker james did it he you kind of have to take it off inherently to like yeah. take the upper yeah. arm off and adjust it and then put it back down you get a lot more adjustability with that one yeah but like as far as like fast adjustments because i figured if i wasn't gonna be able to adjust it on the fly i'm never gonna adjust it yeah that is i, I do agree with that and then I think with having the FDF kit that I have, I can do all of that on the fly now, which is going to be amazing. I didn't, I wasn't able to with the GK Tech stuff. Uh, and there was always scenarios at the track where, like, I wanted to make the most minor adjustment, but I'm like, but if I unbolt this one bolt, it's going to throw everything off. See, I have the exact opposite viewpoint. I don't want the adjustability. Really? Nope. Nope. Because if I, if I adjust it, I'm going to make it wrong or something, or See, I'm going to okay. adjust it and do can, something weird with it. I totally understand that. So, like... You know, you have like all the the heim joints and stuff on the front. You know, if those aren't equal, then all of a sudden your arms are just like kind of going everywhere. They're no yeah, longer it can centered cause to some each other. If you don't have it correct, and like I always play the game of like I would rather. Now, keep in mind, my car has like been fairly consistent for mm-hmm. quite a few years now. So like I'm never going out and like you know the front end's just like nowhere, right? 
but like yeah, I've, yeah. I've had situations where i'm like i think i have a little bit of toe that has like drifted out for some reason on yeah. one side or like maybe caster feels like you know when i'm transitioning or something something feels weird in one side but like if it's not to the point where i'm like i have no idea what the car is doing i'm gonna leave it and i'll wait till after the event when i get home and i'm gonna mess with it then see okay i i do see that because i have been in scenarios where i'm like fuck it i'll i'm just gonna drive i don't give a shit what's because with the GK Tech, with those little joints, they they would never stay straight. I would always have to go under the car after every time of going out, straighten those motherfuckers out, make sure they're tight, and all. And it, dude, it got so annoying. So I would get to the point where I'm like, if it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm still gonna drive. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not doing something weird and your car is like doing something wild, like. Yeah, kind of leave it alone. You. Just... I would never feel any binding or anything, but those joints would just fucking move all or like do whatever the hell they wanted to it's also like a street car thing i always wanted to keep the car a street car um and heim joints are just not they don't they're not designed for mm-hmm. kind of street car stuff like getting constant dirt and yeah you know slush road and stuff grime. all over and road grime like nastiness stuff over them uh and it also just i mean I say this, but then I put Heim joints on my 240, <laughs> and I've been daily driving that one. I haven't really noticed a difference. You can get those little boots, man. But cover them up. It'll be fine. That's actually why I bought the GK Tech ones. <laughs> was, uh, they had the little boots. I was like, oh, man, this is sick. At least I'll put a Heim joint. I'll have a little boot. I spent like twice the money over like an ISR you know what I did for with the boots. I took them, and I walked over to the dumpster, and I said, bloop. <laughs> no. <laughs> those are great. Uh, I probably should have kept them <laughs> just so I could give them on with the kit. But anyways. But yeah, they uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of been my mindset on the car. It's like make it simple and like as long as you get the car set up right the first time, and mm-hmm. that goes back to like the don't change too much stuff at one time situation. Yeah. Like if you, you, know, you don't know what issues you're what you're fixing. Yeah, you don't know like what's going on. Like you you could be getting in your car and like you know if you don't know. Like, even if you know better, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, the car shouldn't be driving this way. Is like, okay, is the car driving this way because of, like, you changed X, Y, or Z, yeah. you know? And is, is it a minutia adjustment of one of those? Mm-hmm. Or did something else go wrong? Or is it just supposed to drive like that? Yeah. You know, every once in a while you get to cars where you're just like, man, I think it just drives like that. Yeah. Like, if the... I, w- I would say, like, if you're wanting more s- more grip out of the rear or something... Uh, that's that's your main problem you want to figure that out and then you go and buy whole new set of coilovers whole new set of rear arms whole new set of fucking subframe bushings and then you're like it's fixed but what fixed the fucking what what actually fixed it yeah you did but you don't you didn't learn anything at the same time i like to learn shit so if there's a problem i want to know what fucking fixes it that way i can look out for it in the future or what more likely a situation happens, you do all that stuff, and then there's a clunk in the rear. Oh, yeah. Like, what, what, <laughs> I've heard that one a lot. <laughs> which, what broke then? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, just, I literally touched every single bolt on the rear end. It could be just normal, because, you know, diffs make weird noises. So as soon as you, like, hard mount a diff, like... Dude, that's going to be a real. That's fucking hilarious. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why you change one thing at a time. That sums up the life of a car guy save your money just change one thing yeah 
and then go to another event yeah. and see what it, what it feels like, if it makes it any better. At the end of the day, you don't need to win a fun event anyway. So just go have fun. Yeah. You don't need to win. I think that's in any industry, well, no matter what you're doing, fix one little thing at a time. Yeah. So you actually can keep your ass on track. Um. So, well, do you ever kind of hope to see... I, I, I love FDF, so I'm just going to say FDF. Do you ever hope to see FDF make a angle kit for... Miatas, or do you really think there's even a market for that? So there is one that's very similar to like an FDF kit, and it's um, man, I'm trying to think. It's like IPC racing or something like that, um, or IPR. Could be IPR. IRP. IRP. I think IRP. Yeah, could I think be. it's IRP. I'm blanking. Let us know in the, the comments if we're wrong, and it's give yellow. Us your best joke on how we're wrong. Um, <laughs> they make a kit like that. But it does the same thing that I, I kind of don't care for with a lot of angle kits. That, mm-hmm. um, like FDF does the same thing. They put the wheels out so wide that you don't, you can't yeah. stick the wheels under the fenders anymore. And I, I'm it not is a, a little better now with the well, as far as the Z goes, the newest version of the kit, you can get the wheels in a lot more. So there's like maybe an inch of poke, inch and a half, but with better offset wheels. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I do understand that because I'm a big stock body guy. I love stock fenders, so if, I want to be able to run the stock fenders too. Yeah, it, it, that's what I don't I don't care for. Like you know, wide bodies on a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes wide bodies just don't look right. Sometimes they just look like they're just yeah, bolting they some random nonsense onto the side of cars. Some look good. There there are some, but also at the same time, like in the same breath of like uh all stock body cars like it kind of only works if there's like the other side of like uh wide body cars mm-hmm. when every car is wide body it doesn't look yeah yeah great that's the br like brz's and frs's that's that's a big one for me because so many people have tried to do or wanted to do the wide body and majority of the time it's the rocket bunny kit which is another reason why i fucking hate rocket bunny kits sorry they looked really Not good really when sorry. they came out yeah, when they came out, and then they started carrying on that stupid little fucking LED strip light, the little, you know what I'm talking about on the front bumpers, how it's got the little dot lights on on both sides of the car on almost every single kit they make. You know what I'm talking about. Underneath the head, it. It, it, dude, doesn't matter what fucking car it is, I swear to God. Well, there's minus a couple, but every single one of their front bumpers, underneath the headlight, there's like a strip of five little dot lights that you can normally people don't put the lights there they just leave it empty i'll have to look at that because i don't think i've I've, ever noticed oh my god it shit pisses me off just thinking about i hate rocket bunny kids i don't know why i just don't like that the majority of them look like a fender bolted onto a car yeah i mean if if the wide body kit like the 32 Almost kit. flows with the car in some way. Like, it doesn't need to be... Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, you can't have rivets. Or, like, the riv... That, the riv nut, like, kind of look... It it works That's in some really ways. Me. And I'm not a big fan of it. But, you know, there's a lot of cars that have that. But the wide-body fender looks like somebody... Does still look like somebody put a fender for that car on it. Mm-hmm. They didn't say, okay, I took a trailer fender and I bolted it on the car. And that's kind of what it looks like. Is it... There's there's like one Miata kit that looks like that. But thankfully, nobody runs it. <laughs> hey, but, don't don't hate on the James Tucker does that shit and it looks fire. <laughs> oh, no, not just, his he car, uses but... sheet metal. He like he doesn't use trailer fenders, but 
His old ones, I think, were trailer fenders. They may have been. They may have been. Love I don't James. know. He's an Sorry. insane fabricant. <laughs> we love you, James. We love you. He's, yeah. I'll throw a picture of his car up just so y'all can see it. He's too fucking busy all the time to come. Yeah, I wish he would drive more, man. We, Me, him, and uh, Jared used to drive like every event together for a while there. And I was, we were jamming. We were doing it. Dude, it seems like everyone from that time is just kind of withered away a little bit from drifting where they don't, they still are in the scene, but like they don't really drift as much. Yeah, a lot of, I don't know, the like I was saying earlier, the burnout rate in drifting, especially in Tennessee drifting, is way too short. Yeah. It's way too short. We got to focus on that. Like, yeah. if we want to build the scene up better, we got to focus on the burnout rate and like fix that. Yeah, keep drifting fun, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Well, I I think a lot of that is the economy based situation. Everyone's not kinda... and the people that I I know that have gotten out of it. It's not necessarily economy stuff. Like most of them are like they just hit a different point in their life and had babies and yeah, <laughs> shit like or that. the unfortunate ones <laughs> that like decided to do the LS swap and twelve years later parted their car out. You know, with an LS swap, what the fuck. If you're doing that with an LS swap, you've got an issue because they're they're not lot as of, expensive. But a lot of people, when they get into it, like if it's not the forefront it, after like two years, it's like it's the project. It's the never ending project. Uh, yeah. The urgency to get it done, the budget to get it done is just out the window. And I mean, I can't blame them. I, I'd be pissed at that point. Not want to go out there and redo everything. But yeah. that's why I always like try to push people in Tennessee, it's always, always after their first year, everybody's like, oh, we're going to go. I want to go do uh, LS swap. Like, my car is, isn't fast enough anymore. Yeah, I need fucking times I've heard that. And I'm like, someone's I've, first season. I've convinced a few people and stopped them from it. And they're like, Good. okay. But even, um, oh, man, uh, Dylan's going to get mad at me for, like, calling him out on this one. Dylan, Dylan didn't follow my advice on that one because he bought a supercharger kit for his G. <sighs> and we talk about this all the time. And because he was like, oh, yeah, I bought the supercharger kit. It's for the car. It's, you know, I'll have it done in like two nope. months. No. Nope. For him to do that was six months. No of, way. Because it, it was just a combination of like, okay, so we put it on the car, then found out that like, so it was uh, it was Tanner's old supercharger kit. You remember Tanner? It was Tommy Coldwaters on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had that S13 with a supercharged VQ in it, mm -hmm. right? Super cool car and everything. And... So he, he like kind of got out of it and was kind of bored. Got, of course, yeah. Um, and so he sold the kit to Dylan. So the, the supercharger kit was for a VQ, but it wasn't for a VQ. It had been modified to be a, for a VQ in an S13, not a VQ in a G35. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. And so then it was like, okay, he has to custom make all this minutia stuff. And then he finally gets it all worked out. And then uh, at some point, like the super, one of the idler pulleys, like, or the shaft like broke mm -hmm. and uh he took it up to took it to atlanta and to get it tuned at like some big shop and they basically looked at it and for like an hour and gave him a 20 like bullet point list of things that he needed to fix or before they would tune it oh no and so, yeah, <laughs> oh fuck man tow it all the way home and then you know fix all that stuff and then get back on their list and you know that's the stuff that when everybody's like, oh yeah i'm gonna do my swab do this and do this like wild amount of work in like three months you're like that it's not the it's not yeah. the big things it's not the oh i'm gonna bolt the engine into the car thing that's gonna 
uh, slow you down. It's the, oh, wait, I've got to redo my fuel system. What does my fuel system look like? Yeah. Am I going to go down the rabbit hole? Of, like a lot $100 of people go, you to death. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, instead of being like, okay, well, I could just throw a big pump in the stock tank, half the people are like, well, well I'm just going to put a fuel cell in there. And like, yeah. well, if I'm going to put a fuel cell in there, and i got to do, do this and do this and do this. And next thing you know, you're, yeah, you're nickel and dime to, to death. Fucking and neck and shit. Six months later, you're like, well, I have a shell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to sell the drivetrain and uh, I'm stuck with a shell. Now what? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's uh, down 10 grand. That happens way too often, I feel like, in Tennessee. And then at that point, yeah. if you, you're six months into it and you're like, oh, well, he, I don't even I, think it's just a Tennessee thing. I think most people around the country get caught up in that first season um, euphoria almost where they're like fuck i need that next step i don't i don't want to wait all year to get back into drifting i want something to preoccupy me why not add some more power while i'm at it so i mean i call out tennessee on it just because i've i've seen how well they've done it in the midwest uh because i mean the midwest everybody complains all the time of All right, we're, <laughs> we're in the clear. I thought she was about to knock the tripod down. Yeah, but uh, in in the Midwest, they do a really good job of, you know, everybody kind of hates on the whole like focus on style thing. But mm-hmm. what it what it does is the new people look at the cars as like kind of a I'm trying to think of how, how to describe this. Like they the focus is on having a cool car more than it is having like a powerful car more like a fast car because a lot of their drivers, a lot of their top drivers drive relatively stock set up cars with just like cool body kits, cool wheels and stuff. And see the, the big thing there is that you're never going to get nickel to dime to death by buying cool wheels. Mm -hmm. You may get kind of nickel and dime to death by doing like a body kit and paint and all that stuff. Cause that all, but it's not the same as saying, Oh, I think my next step is like, an engine swap because an engine is a complex system. Yeah, the of, important thing is none of that stuff's going to stop you from being able to drive technically. Yeah, like you, if you rip your car apart in order to get it painted and you're like, well, I, I just really want to drive the car, start the car up, go drive it with no bumpers on it. Like, please don't do that. I'd, I'd prefer <laughs> everybody kept their bumpers on. Like, it's not that hard to put a bumper on your car in order to go drive. But like, you know, that's not going to stop you from going to an event. Mm. So then once you're like, once you're like, two years into drifting like two to three years into drifting that's when you get like your mindset of like where like where you want to go and you have like a bigger support system within the community to like to help you and to understand like what needs to be done what options are available what other people do so it if you do want to go down the road and you've got the money you've got the resources at that point to do like a swap or something you're not alone doing it You've seen what other people do on it, so you're not yeah. like, oh, how do I, how do I brace a fuel cell? It's like, okay, well, you've seen how five other people do it. You've got friends in the community you can ask how they did it, whatever. So you, you have more resources and, you know, hopefully more money. So is your is, is your argument that um like more style oriented scene helps kind of bring in that newer audience? It helps to, in my opinion, it helps to sustain them longer. Okay. So that way the drivers are staying in because there's like there's a Do few you, you don't think it, it creates that exclusivity factor, though, of like my well, fuck, if I don't have my car in tip top shape for this event, like 
I'm I'm fucked or I'm not going to be able, they're not going to let me drive or like something just something, you know the nonsense stuff that pops into every human's brain when they get embarrassed or something. I mean it's it's a nature of like I'm trying to think of how there's nobody excluding anybody in the grand scheme of things for like style stuff. Maybe like you know once you get to like final bout level there's an expectation of yeah, like what yeah. the cars look like but even you know in all, there are a lot of like top tier builds in final bout like some absolute beautiful don't cars. get it wrong those cars are rough there are there are some rust buckets that are but, that are kind of rough out there yeah then and final bout isn't that far outside of the realm of possibility you're not like it's probably easier to get you and a group of friends together driving put some time and effort into your cars and to get yourself into a final bout than it would be to say try to get a you and your friends to get your team together to get an FD license to make yeah, it up to FD. Pro-Am. Just pro am. It's it's not that far <laughs> out of a thing. And even on the way to there, there's like a lot more fun stuff. Like honestly, Street League, super fun. It's the only competitions I'll ever do. I'm not a competition guy. I don't like competitions. But tell me tell me about the Street League Street League stuff. Cause uh a lot of people talk about it. It seems to be a good event for the community and stuff like that but uh, do you have any like downsides what are the upsides to it stuff like that um trying to think so i mean street league was just i went into it because i kind of wanted to see what competition stuff was but i knew Mm -hmm. you know full-on like i didn't like the competition side of drifting from everything that i've like known over the years it's like expensive and you only get a you don't get a whole lot of laps and yeah you know it's right now it's becoming a money thing of like you know the more money and uh that you can put into it the more better setup you're going to be yeah. and and all that so it's it's something i didn't want to to go more down politics involved yeah it it's not to me it's, it takes a lot of the fun out of it but you know competitions are still you know it's always fun like the com- uh the competitor within me mm-hmm. is still like i want to see where i stack up yeah, yeah um and so i went into it just for that because it was it seemed like it was more my style than pro-am. Like I didn't want to go up. Like I knew I'm going into it. Like when I first signed up, cause it, you know, it's like an application thing to go into it. Uh, my car was still made 200 horsepower. Like it was stock, like, mm-hmm. what is it? Wastegate pressure. So it's like nine PSI or something like that. Uh, and so I didn't really make like any power to it. So I, I knew if I'd go into like pro-am or something, like I'd get, yeah, yeah like just like <laughs> on the run up like before they could get out of the gate they would be two car lengths ahead of me like somehow like, like just i uh, go ahead and disqualify him now. yeah he was like just you know take me out in top 64 like it's fine um so i didn't want to go do all that um but street league seemed closer to what i'm i'd be like more interested in doing like it's you know street cars like you know lowers coolers probably better like everybody's got to have like the majority of their interior together so like everything from the front front seats forward basically everything's yeah. got to be there for the most part pending like you know if you got a cage or something you got to cut out stuff for the cage it's well, fine of course, but, yeah. like you know little stuff like that but i was like, that's that's up my mindset mm-hmm. no cut up cars that was like a big thing because like if there's no cut up cars i'm not going to get swept too bad yeah uh so yeah that's where i signed up for it do you think it's you enjoy that aspect of competing better because there's like less pressure 
Because that's one thing I've seen out of Scotty going through these Riverside events, these big payout events. He just can't stand the fucking pressure of it all. He can go out there and throw down some crazy-ass laps with just having fun, just fun events. But the moment it comes to competition, it's just like you get all you get to in your head, man, and just shit starts breaking and it starts fucking with you. Yeah. Nobody wants to go out because of a broken car. You want to yeah. go out because someone beat you. The pressure is a lot lower there in that aspect because you're not there's not like super high stakes or anything um and honestly one of my favorite things about it is the drivers there are like drift indie has some of the top grassroots drivers in my opinion i've heard that yeah it's wild how good uh these guys are and for a while for last like last year uh you you just had to apply in to get into mains you're supposed to do lights and Mm. then Okay. uh lights was like a top 32 competition like single run competition and you uh like the top ones of lights would feed into mains if mains didn't have a full 32 because they basically gotcha. only gave okay. 32 spots available for people to sign up so if like hmm. three people didn't show up those three, three people, people from get carried in yeah. yeah and then once you're in mains you could drive mains like for the rest of the season or whatever oh sick okay. um it was just how you had to get into it. So I'd been driving for a while, so I kind of got stuck into mains. But, like, it basically gave me an opportunity to drive, like, with guys that had really cool cars, but that drove really, really hard. So I could, like, I got to drive with you them You can still all. push it, but still feel a little bit more secure because everyone has a clean car, and they had, had to have stayed clean for a reason. Yeah, everybody's... You must be a decent driver. <laughs> yeah, everybody there has, like, been driving for a while, and their cars are set up super well, and... Uh, nobody's like playing the grip games of how much yeah. grip they can put in the car. Like nobody's playing the game of like how can I stick like 800 horsepower down through a 245. Like nobody's <laughs> playing that game at all. They're just kind of setting their car up to to drive well mm. and just driving well. Uh, so that that was kind of like my main thought process of like why I went and did it. And honestly, at this point, like so I've done three rounds this year and did one round last year. Usually, there's only two rounds a year. Mm. And I've missed the second from last year. Anyways, so honestly, my favorite part of Street League has been the practice. Because you basically more or less weed out a lot of the people that aren't as great. Because <laughs> um, there's like the top drivers of Drift Indy there. But like, you know, you, you've got to have like a certain level of skill to drive yeah the street fair. league like I'll, I'll be honest like not a whole lot of people that are driving for a year are gonna do very well in in street league mm-hmm. um it was actually one of the things that when i first signed up uh i was like oh yeah i think i'll i'll do this and sign up and see if they'll they'll let me in so i just like threw in an application and didn't think much of it and then i went and they have all the old events live streamed and on YouTube, so you can go watch the yeah, whole yeah. top 32. Um, and the first one was real simple. Like, if I could run a clean lead, you know, you were through top 32 and volume one. Okay. And I was like, this is sick. Yeah. I can <laughs> I can go out there and run a clean lead. Easy. Let's run We're it. good. And it was right around that time where I think Edgar called. Edgar's one of the guys that runs uh, Drift Indie. And I think his one question was, uh, would I be able to link the track? And I was like, no, yeah, I'm, 
I'll be able to track. Give me like two, three laps. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll link it. Just, I don't know. I'm not too concerned about that. He's like, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and Sweet and simple. Got it. Yeah. And he was like, all right, well, uh, if, we'll send you an email if you get in or something like that. And, you know, eventually I got the email to get in. So after that, then I started watching like volume two, volume three. At this point that we were going into volume six. By the time I got up to volume five, I was like, oh, man. This is not a run a clean lead and get out of top 32 yeah, yeah. anymore. No, no, no. Everybody that was in street league mains was like a certified killer, like just beautiful yeah. driving. I think that's where I, I, I kind of hate that because we'll never technically find who the purest and best drivers are out there. Because the only real spotlight you see for that is through FD and, like, all these professional lines of drifting. But I bet there's people out there in a street league-style competition that, like, could keep up with James Dean or, like, could be at that level with him. But they just don't they don't care to go to the competitive level of that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's that's probably like every a few. sport, too, I, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... Man, it's that's a that's it's a, it's a hard that's comparison because at the same time, like the reason they're not the same is that the paths yeah. haven't aligned, right? Is that they're not somebody that's like driving like high level comps isn't the same person that's gonna mm -hmm. say wanna just drive like street events yeah. and but at the same time, like you can't beat the seat time that some of these people are getting because very true. I mean, you could see it firsthand with like the first year of uh, I think it was the first year of uh, Drift Week. Mm -hmm. um, Matt Field went on it. Yeah, it was right before FD, and he drove his C6 Corvette for a week straight, hitting all these events. Yeah. And then it was like maybe two, three weeks, and then he was in Long Beach for FD. And you could tell he was the most comfortable of any any of the drivers. <laughs> yeah, <there. laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's just got a fucking probably six thousand miles of drift. Well, that's that's a little excessive, probably, but a lot of miles in drifting right before a big event. Dude, he drove I basically would walk the same color for the for biggest a week. balls ever. Well, I I believe it. And then they just were like, he basically walked out of one car that was a like caged like drift car and well, then just went into another one with a blower in it. <laughs> yeah well it just had all the hand-me-down parts from the race car yeah it so was his race car just a simpler version and it was the same thing like a lot of the events and that's i mean you, you get a mix of it right because not everybody in fd is getting that type of seat time not everybody in grassroots is getting that type of seat time yeah but you know you, you kind of see it in a lot of a lot of the drivers and like heck it was like uh, chelsea was at the toge event and like mm -hmm. He's driven those type of like those type of like road courses before. Yeah. A lot like a lot more than any of us have. And like was in it at the beginning. Like yeah. you can see I had to like watch through the videos because you couldn't actually see anything at the event, like as a spectator. Like Oh, I'm sure. All yeah. we saw were like the I talked after. about that too with uh Justin Medina last week. Yeah, that's about that event. It's Which, wild. Uh, tell me your experience then, because I'm curious. No, it it was it was fun, but honestly, really scary. I think a lot of people online mm. have played it down quite a bit because it's you don't get the realism out no, of the like, videos. At you, all. you almost need to go to like your local track and draw a lane on your track and realize how wide it is. Yeah, like NSS is like four lanes wide. Mm -hmm. So if we were going 
about the speed that, we, that I run at NSS on a two-lane road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't realize how skinny a two-lane road actually is. Yeah. Like Especially it, on the side of a fucking mountain almost. So, and it was, and it didn't help that, like, you know, the event organizers were very stressed about it because it's, you know, this was their trial run. This yeah. was, if it messed up, if we hurt ourselves, if something bad was to happen, that was going to be the last one. Yeah. So we were all, everybody was on edge. Which, the, the from what thing. I heard, it the, the city loved it. Like, everyone around, behind it absolutely loved it, and they want to do more. Yeah, every, it it ended up going pretty well, but it was, we were all pretty tense going into it, mm-hmm. and then first couple runs out of it, we were, like, I did, I want to say four runs, three or four runs, and then I stopped, and I was like, I'm doing something wrong. So I was doing every beginner mistake in the book trying to figure out how to how get do you to mean? What, do you, what do you mean by beginner mistake like handbraking when i shouldn't like not okay. driving out to where i should like i had gotten so in my head that i was like okay if like i go off the this, line pretty much it was just everything I'd, i'm trying to think of how to describe this if like you ever watch like somebody that's really new at drifting try to go around a track and you'll see like the front end kind of like sporadic like understeers and then oversteers and then grips back up and then they're in the yeah, wrong spot. Yeah, it's like spot. they don't really know where the steering's at whenever they're driving. Almost. Yeah, but almost like worse than that. Like, you know, you kick it out and it straightens up and you're like, why is it straightening back up here? And then you, you're okay. then on the wrong side of the track. Yeah. And then you try to like get it out. But like once you try to get it out at that point, you're in the wrong spot then. Yeah. So then you're just compounding errors, right? And... Then I'd get to the end of it, and like it was so sporadic that like I mentally blacked out. Right? Yeah. I was like, I have no idea what I just did, and I tell people all the time that's a hard position to be in on a new track, especially. Yeah, I I tell people all the time when they're learning to drive, like the number one thing that you need to figure out is how to get back in line and not black out. So, like the mental thought of go down, recognition, do what you do, do what you need to do, do what you think you need to do, see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then when you get back to the end, think back to what you did so you can understand what you need to do better on the next one. Cause when you first start driving, even like I drove on a, like a sim for the entire time I was in college, I was like sitting there on a sim rig. Like, you know, I could play live for speed, like, like the back of my hand, like so many hours (laughs) on that stuff. Like I knew what I was doing. I would come out of a lap and be like, it was awful. I have no idea what happened. Yeah. Um, and I had to do the same thing up there because I got so in my head and a lot of the other drivers, I think, were in the same position where they got so in their head that this was like, this is a mountain road. Like, we could get hurt if we drop a tire. Let's. Yeah, there was so much pressure I'm, yeah. I'm sure going on that you all, y'all were all freaking out about so many different things other than just the car and driving. Yeah, so I stepped back. I took a like a session off and I was like, yeah. I need to go eat and get a couple drinks in me like you know for anyone that missed the last episode the way they did the sessions was every car at once went up the hill and then they came down the hill correct yeah so they had they ran a lead car and a follow car then the lead car it was a lead car 10 cars and a follow car correct yeah yeah, yeah. so that's the way justin had explained it yeah at the beginning we were like like a train because we all thought it was going to be super slow and like slick and we just kind of throw it out and Justin's got a ton of power, so he can kind of make up for all that. But like a lot mm-hmm. of us running like kind of <laughs> low, like, you know, two, three hundred horsepower cars. And that, <laughs> that that was a fast track for a two or three hundred horsepower car. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were all like stacked up. And then afterwards they were like, 
give each other room, but like enough room in order to see. And that kind of helped. And like, I had to just like think back through it and be like, okay, I got to like think about what I'm doing. I've got to stop paying attention to the edges of the track. Mm-hmm. You could tell a lot of people were trying to stay midline because they were so afraid of going out or yeah, going too yeah. far in. But you can't drive that way unless you've got a lot of momentum to mm-hmm. keep you moving through the track. So you kind of have to put some sort of flow to it. I was also like, I think the first real run we did, I want to say I was the first car. Oh, shit. So I was following Sean in that EcoBoost uh, E36, and he was flat out up the thing, like as fast as he could go, like hitting like kind of perfect apexes on everything. And for some reason in my head, I was like, I need to follow. That's the racing line yeah. is the he fast was one line. of those guys is like i don't know if i'm ready let's just try let's go for it well he was just uh so he was he was just our lead car right so he was just supposed to get out of the way was his mindset so he was yeah he was racing it to get out of the way so we could do whatever we needed to behind him and for some reason in my head i was like i have to follow him and i followed his line <laughs> and it, that was one of the other one of the things i had to think about was like that's not that's not the drift line like i shouldn't be that far inside i shouldn't be hitting mm-hmm. the apex on the inside the apex on the inside it's not going to do me any good correct yeah um especially like if you drift and like aim at that you're running into a bad situation of you're in the wrong spot Mm -hmm. so yeah it was a lot of like rethinking it and then in in the grand scheme of things it wasn't a whole lot of track time because we can only close the road down for like 45 minutes at a time oh so there was still like normal traffic coming through during the damn i didn't know that well not like during it right but like, well, yeah, not it, while the runs were going. Yeah, it was like hour blocks basically, where we would have like an hour to do our stuff, which included like fifteen minutes for the media people to get mm-hmm. up there because like they had to basically be carted, like driven up there, dropped yeah, off, hop over the rail, like yeah. yeah. Um, and then we'd have forty-five minutes track time. Then when it that forty-five minutes ended, they opened the road for an hour, mm-hmm. and then it was a giant cycle. Dude, so it yeah. just sounds like a clusterfuck. It was, I mean, it was a ton of work on them to like, because I mean, every uh, drift organization is guilty of like, they put out a, a time or schedule for when things happen and never as, goes by it. Yeah, as soon as like the event starts, the schedule's thrown out. Yeah, and some some events are worse than others. Like, you know, everybody's usually like starts off. Drivers meeting is always thirty minutes later. I want this to be clear: be. that is not the event host's fault. That is just the scenarios of everything they have to handle happening all at once. Nobody yeah. can really prepare for that unless you've done it for so many years, like Ryan Sage or someone like that. Oh, even then, I, I would just, imagine they were like, "There's so much shit that just comes up that you don't expect." Until they started televising that stuff, I guarantee you, all that stuff was always late. Yeah, because like yeah. It, that's that was the big thing when this one was like we have a specific time where they can open and close the roads we have to be on it because the police aren't going to be like oh well you started 15 minutes late <laughs> no like you cut it like you have x time to y time yeah. in order to close the road down it, yeah. and then we're gonna go and then whatever happens happens if you know they've got a if 15 minutes before it end like our time ends somebody like offset it and it takes them 15 minutes to get that car off the road they're just calling to us like get back off the road they yeah just get off yeah you know go pit okay so what what are some some things that you say they could improve on for the next one because i know the next one's coming they've they've already said they loved it you know it's it's gonna happen again eventually 
yeah, there there's some rumors out of when they're going to do another one. Um, I was 50-50 on the event on whether or not they thought it went well enough to do another one, but it sounds like they, you know. From everything I've it. heard, the city absolutely loved it. And it's a pretty relaxed city from what I've heard. They've done stuff like that, just not with drifting. Yeah. With other types of motorsports and stuff. So I I would see for sure there's going to be another one. Where? I don't know, because they said they have tons of better roads that they could do it on. Uh, but what 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 are some things that you say would improve the event? Not necessarily just for drivers, but spectators, media, everyone. Oh well, there's there was no way for spectators, and that's that's kind of been my mm. concern. Not that you know spectators as a driver isn't a big thing, but in you know we talked about this earlier. Spectators is what funds the events, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you know the event organizers in some way need to break even. And there was a lot of pieces to the puzzle. There was like, you know, firefighters out there, EMT, like police out there. There was a lot of things going on that need to be basically funded for us to do that. And without spectators, you can't do that. And that road, there was, um, by a technicality standpoint, there was one spectator and that was the guy that actually had a house in the middle of the track. <laughs> Damn, what a, there is what a cool seat. Yeah, there was a there's there was one house that was in the four turns that everybody was drifting. There's technically Dude, like so five. Sick. There was a house in the middle and at some point from what we heard he was actually live streaming it. <laughs> um, what we found out later um and then there was Shout a bunch of videos you, on TikTok, TikTok and stuff like so but they was the only spectator. But at the end of the day, there there wouldn't have been a place for spectators. Yeah. There was a a wall on one side with obviously like trees up in it, and then like a guardrail to a drop on the other side. Yeah. There was only one spot where there was a turnoff, but in all reality, that would break every single rule of every organization I've ever seen if they would ever put spectators there. Yeah. Because it on the uphill, it's on the outside. Okay. They'd have to put a wall there. Because all it well, takes is somebody true, to yeah. like their front end wash out and they'd be just beelining it right at a like <laughs> spectators. So, mm, and okay. usually like they don't, you know, usually if they put spectators in, they'll put like walls and stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I think they would really have to find, um, I guess more or less a, a road that has some over, overhead cliffs almost that people can look like kind of down to the road. Or something where they're kind of more or less above the cars, in a sense. Yeah. To be able to stay out of the way. I would have to see what they do. Because they do uh, hill climbs and stuff a lot out there. That's like the the guy that was kind of represented that half of the um, whole kind of organization. That mm-hmm. That's what he usually runs is like hill climbs and stuff for like with motorcycles that's or cars cool. or whatever. Um, and I would have to see what they do. Because I think. Because they they've got to figure it out somehow, right? Yeah. So it's the science has got to already be made for other type of motorsports. I mean, rally. Yeah, it's just the risk is super high if like they have spectators just like if they even were spectators just along the guardrail. Mm -hmm. Like, say, yeah, they're behind the guardrail. Like, yeah, but you got to think of insurance and stuff like that at that point because media even has to sign off on a waiver for being on the track and being that close to the cars. You have to take personal obligation to where the fuck you are they even had at one point while we were we were up there it was like in the morning 
that some kids emerged from the woods. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> That's just, creepy. You know, it's just it's middle of nowhere, Kentucky. There's just like kids playing in the woods, and they I guess they just like I hear showed race up. Cars. Like, Let's go find out what that is. Sounds like somebody's like going wild over there and they like walk <laughs> up and then there's just like all the media people and like a couple of the guys that are like running it out there and they're just like where did y'all come from and as soon as they went to go talk to them of course the kids were like oh crap we're in trouble and ran off yeah but they just kind of were like how do you control that because at that point that's the huh, i didn't think about that that's the problem of it being like a public road is that like yeah we have the road closed down but we don't have we can't close can't down close the, the woods land. yeah <laughs> What are you gonna do? Rope off the trees? <laughs> yeah, and even like it was the same thing with the the guy that lived at that house that was like streaming stuff. It's like, you know, we're good. yeah, you, you just can't like do anything. Party. Yeah. yeah, he's like, it's it's your house. Like, do whatever you want. Poor people at the uh, there was a house where we were turning around with like a dog and stuff, and uh, oh, we're just no. sitting there like going all day up past their house turning around and then flooring it past their house <laughs> all day <laughs> if you're watching i'm so sorry i doubt you are but <laughs> i mean i i've lived in houses in the city like next to stop signs and stuff like i i know how annoying it can be to have just people like peel out right in front of your house yeah. constantly and it stinks but i mean that's what you're gonna have to have yeah so all right that's i i'm kind of glad i don't i don't live on any type of highway or anything because if, if, if someone saw that FC in the driveway on the highway, I would be getting rev noises. I would be getting flybys, just yeah. non-fucking-stop. My buddy, do you know you know Brendan Daniels, right? Yeah. Okay, so when he lived out in Murfreesboro on that highway, oh, my God, bro. It was so fucking annoying because that's where <laughs> I worked on my car a lot, so... Yeah. I'd be over there, and you'd hear somebody just come fucking railing it past his house, and you're just like, "Can y'all just go away?" Like, see, I have the op almost the opposite thing, where it's still like the same problem of my house backs up to the highway. Yeah, so, like all like all night sometimes, like especially you can tell when it's a Friday night and the weather's just just yeah. right because you'll hear sport bikes Loose just fall. <laughs> And I've I've woken up to a, what I would imagine were a couple street races on the highway in the middle of the night because nice. like out of nowhere just like woken up from a dead sleep of just like two cars Screaming. just yeah hauling down the highway. And you're like, <laughs> All right, well I think I know what happened over there, but is, it, I guess. trying to sleep. See, I got a train a house over that yeah. comes through the neighborhood, but like the station's right back here, so they're never coming fast, and they only come through during the day. I've never heard them at nighttime, so that's. That's cool, but I have a weird dude. list of like house requirements, and honestly, like living next to a train track is like one of the ones that I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it. Really? Yeah, that's fair. Like I, I say this, but I live like my house backs up to the highway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're getting noises one way or so, another. I mean, pick your poison. But yeah, it's like on my list of weird things. Like I never live on the end of a road by a stop sign because like headlights. Oh, okay, yeah. I got yeah, a bunch of I weird things that like that. When I was like looking for a house, I was like, "Yeah, that one's list. actually really smart." There's a bunch. There's a bunch of weird ones, and it's like, uh, wow. It's, it's even what's really bad with those ones is sometimes if you live on if the road's long enough. Um, they had this a lot in Charleston, the at my girlfriend's family's neighborhood, mm -hmm. their old neighborhood. Um, it was this really really long road that basically went all the way through the neighborhood, and then it just stops, and there was a house right at the end. And 
their house got ran into so many times by like drunk people and people not paying attention because they're just driving down this road doing like 35 40 because it's a it's a wide like main road to the thing and then it just stops and there's a house fuck <laughs> people just completely miss the oh stop sign by that time you're in the na- in the person's front yard and you can't stop Dude. charleston's mud like you're in the mud you're in the if you mess that up Could you're you? in their yard oh, i could not imagine man they had like railroad That's tie set up thing up so that you would hit that before you hit the house <laughs> but at one point they put flashing lights up and the city got on them it was like you can't put flashing lights and stuff and they're just like well, Gasky. come fix this shit. Put you know? something up yourself, you idiots. What do we pay you for? Yeah, it's like, you, what are you going to do about people running into your house and they just miss a stop sign? Like, Yeah, you, I'm you can't tired of my insurance the, going up. You can't change Don't the tell road. tell me what I can't do with my own property. So. Oh, but, God. But yeah, think about that when y'all uh, want to go buy a house. Is Think about <laughs> where people are driving around it. You can't fix all of them. One of my neighborhood was like that uh, growing up. Yeah. We had two cul-de-sacs like right across from each other. And people, there was one time somebody turned into the neighborhood and then hooked a hard right and just went straight through the cul-de-sac into somebody's front yard, like into the front of their house and ran through their like master bathroom or something like that. And so sometimes you can't win with that stuff. But like, you know, they thought for some reason it went, it continued, which would make sense if they continued the main road is in that neighborhood. Like if you missed the stop sign at the end, there was a cul-de-sac at the end with no houses or anything. Mm-hmm. And that one very commonly would get ran because you would see where like, uh, like brakes would lock up <laughs> as they gone by. And the yeah. amount of, there was a lot of, uh, crashes and stuff that would happen there. of People expecting the car <laughs> to stop and the person not paying attention. And then the next person goes and they yeah. get hit. But you know, shit shows people can't drive, you know, it's, pretty standard yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh driving, uh what you seem to have kind of a more simple tow rig setup. Do you do you prefer that? Is there any, like a reason you haven't tried to go with full enclosed and all this stuff like a lot of people do? Yeah, so uh I guess that goes back to like kind of my mentality on all, all like the drifting stuff is if I keep it as simple as possible, it'll be as sustainable as possible and I can continue doing it for longer. That's good. So, you know, Every step up with your like setup costs money and adds to the total cost of the event. Like you're just adding more consumables. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, the cost of the event is a small percentage of the cost of the weekend, right? (laughs) (laughs) My cat's got the zoomies. So, (laughs) uh, even if the even if the event cost is like three hundred dollars, if I'm going to Ohio for like no star bash or something right mm-hmm. i'm spending like two hundred dollars alone in fuel and diesel just to get up there right yeah. every time that you step up like your tow rig or like your car or anything you're gonna up the cost of it and you, there's there's a trade-off of like fun to dollars right mm-hmm. at some point you're gonna cross where your thresh personal threshold is right and like the diesel truck thing to me I felt like I needed it because I was doing longer drives. Yeah. And it definitely is a lot nicer, but I don't know if it would have, if it's really necessary. So I've, I've got like a, you know, crew cab, long bed, dually, like 3,500 truck yeah. towing a Miata on an open car trailer. <laughs> so it's completely overkill. And uh, diesel maintenance is no joke. Like it's expensive. Yeah. I, I almost bought a 2,500 myself. Like 
damn near brand new one, which would have cost me a fucking arm and a leg. Yeah. I'm so glad I never did it. Uh, Willie Culver actually talked about this uh, on his podcast where, because he actually did do that. He upped his his whole tow rig set up to 2500 Silverado. That was like, I think it's 2017, 2018 or something like that. Uh, got a good deal on it, but then got an enclosed trailer and realized, he started realizing how much of a headache and how much it costs to just be able to go and have fun at an event when he could have just done it with the same setup he always had and it'd been just as fun, if not more. Yeah. So less to deal with. Yeah. Cause it, and in my mind, like the, your tow rig setup is just as important as like your car setup of like, what do you, what are you bringing and like how much room do you have? And like, what does the setup like act like and what can you do with it? Mm-hmm. Right. And at the end of the day, enclosed trailers do give you the benefit of it's a lot safer, Yeah, you but can lock it up. And yeah. Stuff, you can but... lock it up. And that's, that's like the biggest thing to me that would like be a pro but on the the con side it's a lot harder to tow it so if you ever have to back it up it's you know you can't see as much um can't just pull up to the gas pump fill it up yeah (laughs) they're usually a lot longer which makes it a lot harder to tow and pull it around places and you know the wind resistance of it so then your gas mileage is going down Mm -hmm. um it's a lot have to have a a diesel truck too you you can it's, do them with gas trucks if you. Gas, it's just really hard on the truck. Is the yeah, only thing. usually the transmissions are the are the problem, yeah. and there are some occasions like I was telling you that trip I went down to uh, Piedmont Drift event, so which was in North Carolina. So I towed the Miata with my old fifteen hundred, like yeah. Sierra, from Tennessee, like outside of Nashville, all the way to Charleston, and then up to North Carolina and back, and if you take that route from charleston up to uh nashville there is in around Asheville is a series of like mountain ridges that are wild like yeah and i got stuck on the way back on one of them where i flew up on somebody doing like 40 miles an hour because you know you got to keep your momentum up or else you're not going anywhere and i got stuck where it's like okay i just i basically had to slam on my brakes because i couldn't get over Oh, and no. I was stuck doing like 30 miles an hour up the hill because I just couldn't go any faster. Like at that point, like I wasn't yeah. going to drop a 4L60 out of it in no, the middle of the mountains. No, so not. like I didn't want to like full on floor it, but I was like giving it the beans and it really couldn't go up more than like 40 miles an hour at that point. But I ran up on them doing like 70. And I, then they sketchy, dude. It was, it was bad. Oh my God. It was like one of the things that like got me. I was like, well, you probably need a bigger rig. Yeah. But, I could see that. Uh, well, then, what would what would if you could say that money just wasn't wasn't an issue? What would what would your dream tow rig be? Because like, dude, that rig Taylor Ray just got. Holy fuck, that thing's cool. That thing was that thing's nice, and I I was searching up after I saw that because I, I I'm bet always I did it too up. for no reason, knowing damn well I can't afford nothing like that. I was always I'm always looking for weird tow rig setups or things to do because like for the longest time i still kind of want to i just don't have the room for it i want to put a like one of those pop-up campers in the bed of the truck dude yeah so then i could you know sleep in it and do whatever if i ever want to do like a long drive i don't need to worry about getting a hotel or anything like that those things are wildly expensive Mm -hmm. i did not realize i thought they were gonna be cheap it's like it fits in the truck bed like how it's yeah i was like if you take a camper and you cut it in a quarter then like how much is (laughs) <laughs> you know, a quarter of a big camper going to cost. Um, yeah, it's the same amount as a full-size camper, by the way. 
Those things are wild. Dude, expensive. no way. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, brand new, like 70 grand. At least uh, the ones uh, I, I saw. I was like trying to look at, because I, I first went on um, Marketplace because, you know, I'm always looking for a deal. And I couldn't. Who the fuck's buying these things? I don't know, man. People got money to burn. It's not me, but somebody. Dude, it's like the big fucking sports boat things. Like you see these people that only make 150 grand a year out buying these $120,000 sports boats. Come on, bro. Now I know I, you can you can finance them for like 128 months. Like it's insanely long. But what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So they're they're up in that that kind of situation where like even used like now they don't sell because i've looked at a couple and saved a couple to see like what they would do because yeah and nobody buys things (laughs) (laughs) uh their resale value is terrible but brand new wildly expensive even used Mm. like a newer one it's like 15 grand damn you're like that's at that point, crazy, dude. I started looking at it. I was like, I can buy so many hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's laughs> that. And I have running water. <laughs> yeah, I'll finally make the money up in uh, 20 years. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always doing that business case thing of like, how many times do I have to use it in order mm-hmm. for it to make sense? And it, that's that stuff never, never has worked out. So keeping it simple then. Always keep keeping it simple. Toe rig. That and um, I live on a giant hill. So nah, I can't back an enclosed trailer yeah. at my driveway. It like hits the driveway. Ooh, yeah. So I can back yeah, my open work. trailer. I actually didn't realize it was going to be an issue. I figured it was gonna be really bad to back a trailer up my driveway because mm-hmm. that was like one of the things when I like wouldn't looked at the house. I was like, man, that. I struggle with mine because it's a fairly low trailer. It scrapes in a lot of places. Yeah, my mine will go up, but like I bought uh mj's old tire machine mm-hmm. and he uh dropped it off like in his uh in his open or enclosed trailer and he's like i don't know if i'll make it up and i'm sure enough like he tried to back it up and it just dug right into my driveway so we had to like oh. put it on a cart and then like push it up that sound my driveway. hurts i hate so that sound it's yeah so i i generally can't or at least i don't think i could get a like yeah, most enclosed up my driveway, which has also that's helped. Fair. There's always a lot of variables that go into it that you have to think about. But yeah, I just I, I always like to ask people because a lot of I think a lot of newer drivers think that you have to make it to that point and you need all of that type of stuff. And I just want to make it apparent. You don't fucking know. No, nope. it's simpler nope, nope, the nope. setup you can have. Like honestly, <laughs> right? Because so I was I was harping on the diesel truck thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I I got rid of my like 1500 Sierra, not because of that whole like, you know, health situation. Cause that, yeah. that to me was like pretty one off. Like, you know, I would have made it, I made it just fine going the other way in the other mountain because there was like basically two big hills back yeah. to back that you have to deal with. Um, and I did those fine. So it was just that one. And I'm not going to sell a whole car for one thing, but I, I was always afraid that the 4L60 was going to blow up in mm-hmm. it because that's everybody makes jokes about 4L60s blowing up. So I was like, okay, That's the weak point of Chevy. Yeah, I was GM. like, you know, I'll I'll go over and get a like a twenty five hundred diesel truck, and that way I don't have to worry about it, whatever. And that truck, like, I got it for a pretty decent deal at the time. It was like sixteen grand or something like that. But then within a year, injectors went out, <laughs> and that was like at the worst time. It was no star bash last year. I made it to Ohio from Tennessee 
So five and a half hour drive, made it to there, and then the injector stuck open as I was basically coming up to the track. That's crazy. And so, you know, I didn't have to tow it back. At least you I, made it there. Yeah. I, I ended up having it towed back, which was the most expensive tow bill of all time, which, because I, I just that. didn't know of any other options I had as far as like getting it anywhere else like my whole setup and everything somewhere else i was on the way to mid pond one time with my old silverado that had about almost three hundred thousand miles on it and i almost had to get stuck with that type of build too it was wild shorter distance so it wouldn't have been as much but i was sweating thinking about it yeah (laughs) so at the end of the day like after all that stuff like now i'm like 20 something grand into the truck Mm -hmm. because i didn't want to put a built transmission into a five thousand dollar truck and i'm like i I look back at it now like man i could have just put a big trans cooler on a 1500 truck and then not had to pay for diesel diesel's expensive not had to every time tune up a little bit maybe and you'd have had that little extra bit of power you needed yeah and it kind of none of it made sense at the end of the day because the running costs on a diesels are expensive like the the oil is expensive and it you need a lot of it the filters are expensive. That's the stuff I didn't realize when I was looking into it. Everything yeah. is really, really expensive on them. And if you want to upgrade anything, because uh, like Brennan, he put those big ass fucking cat filters on his dualies and shit, and like doing all the the bad boy mods to the no fuck no, dude, that'll run it up even quicker. No, I see. I I started to go down that route, and that's actually why I have. Well, I bought a dually because I was like, oh man, a dropped dually on like 24-inch Alcoa's. Beautiful. But, you know, I started to go down that route of like, okay, I put a three-inch drop shackle in the rear and all of a sudden now I'm like bottoming out the thing i'm like i don't need that in a tow rig i just need it yeah, to start he had to see and need me to bring it, it to the <laughs> yeah dude oh it's so good though when it works man and especially because he had this big like 32 foot enclosed I was so trailer close to buying gooseneck his and his it was truck. all white with the the 20 he had 22 inch alcoa alcoas on it oh my god see notched i think he had helper bags on it i can't remember but that that's the route I wanted to go down with even my 1500 because it's just a rear-wheel drive. I didn't want four-wheel drive. Yeah. So I was I have 22 sitting in the shop, some GMC 22s. I had on it, but I hit a fucking pothole and bent one of them. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just throw the stocks back on. But, dude, yeah, slam trucks is the way. I don't care what anyone says. They're not the greatest towing. <laughs> no, just throw some helper bags on it and deal with it. Yeah, every state has awful roads. There's florida is the only state that i found that has decent roads but every other state yeah i agree with that uh, like if you go to mid pond from and you're coming from the north the that section of 65 i think it is going right into birmingham i think is like a whoop section it's awful <laughs> last time i went on it i was like texting somebody jokes about uh it reminds me of the road that uh lightning mcqueen paved in Mars, ah, yeah that first one <laughs> all the way through uh Kentucky going going south for a while had some crazy jumps. Like I, I lost all the straps on in on my trailer for the car once from them. <laughs> oh I fuck. made it all the way back into Clarksville and I went to go turn onto the highway. I looked back and I had I could all I could see at that point was I was missing a strap and I'd pulled over 
I had one strap left holding the car. No way. All of them were gone because they had they had loosened up from all those like whoops, and I just like never thought to oh, stop and check because no. it was one of the, usually I stop like halfway through and then I'll check them mm -hmm. and if they need to be tightened, like give it a little, another like crank or yeah, something. Yeah, on the way home though, like you're, you're yeah, fuck home, you're tired. Yeah, like I was that. like tired. I didn't have like didn't need to use a bathroom or anything or didn't want to stop for any reason, so I just kept going. And then I got back. It's like, well, missing all my straps. <laughs> so now the new ones have like all the positive retention stuff. So they can't go away. <laughs> they all click onto themselves. That is that is the move. Amazon sells those things. Yeah. You never lose a strap ever again. And so worst case scenario, it loosens up. You're not going to have a problem with the like whole car disappearing. Yeah. So e Dude, E-Tracks and just strapping over the tire. That's, I wanted to do that, totally but I'm cheap. Move, but I'm so cheap. Yeah, exactly. Can't do it. Exactly. Like I, I saw... I saw somebody do it at one point and I was like, that's, that's how I'm going to do it for the rest of eternity. I'm going to go whenever I get to the point where I need new straps, I'm going to do that. But yeah. then I was, when I got to the point I had like events coming up and I was like, I could buy $50 and like, mm -hmm. like $80 in regular straps or like $300 to do the whole e-track setup between buying all e-tracks and buying the, uh, the straps that are designed for e-tracks to go over. Damn, that's crazy. And it was, it was like, yeah. That's expensive as fuck. I'll, I'll do it some Dude, other time. My trailer's got doesn't even have normal weld-in D-rings. It's got the fucking drop-in ones that go on the side. Oh, well, I think mine was like an old race trailer or something. Yeah. Because it's got like the like an old Mopar and like power tour stickers all over <laughs> it and stuff. I really want to I want to weld some, some tie-downs on the subframe or something. That way I'm not pulling from the control arms and shit like that. I really hate that I do that whenever I'm trailing in my car. But, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's, I do it, and you, when I do it, you can, like, see the whole wheel move forward on the front. Yeah. And I don't really care for it, which is why I wanted to do the, kind of over the, the wheel thing. Generally, you're not supposed to, like, strap it down from what they consider the sprung part of the chassis. Yeah. Because it moves, right? Because the whole car, when you hit a mm -hmm. bump, will, so it'll loosen it and then tighten back up, and that motion will break your straps oh so you generally don't want to do that you that's why like the the hook ones to control are, arms or to like your chassis like if you put on a tow hook or something you're not supposed to do that when it, okay yeah, yeah okay i get that yeah yeah like that's when you hit a bump like you know your your car's still floating you want it right? to still kind of compress the suspension and shit yeah well so you don't need to compress the suspension but if you you need to hold something that's not gonna move when the car jumps your wheels don't move that's why yeah, you always strap so the like, wheels okay yeah it's because i i did say on the on the subframe so that would be compressing the suspension to tie it down and you don't want that you want it yeah because at that point then if it's you, gonna yank on the strap whenever you hit a, a bump yeah well actually it's it's kind of the almost the opposite it'll loosen up Science and then just tighten back up again <laughs> right because yeah <laughs> it, it's confusing i remember talking to um when i was in college i was part of like this formula sae team where we built a um it was like a go-kart with a cbr 600 motor on it so okay and it ran a restrictor so it had like 80 horsepower but 80 horsepower on a go-kart is like still pretty gnarly yeah um and i would talk to like we had we'd build this thing basically from scratch every year like okay. start with literally nothing and come up um and their suspension division would always confuse me because they were always talking about like the sprung or the unsprung part of the chassis. Because in your head, when you think about the, 
of, of a car, yeah, yeah, you think from a driver's perspective, not a car's perspective. Like from a, a system's perspective, the entire body is sprung and the wheels are unsprung. From a driver's perspective, Bro. the wheels are are the sprung part, right? Because yeah. the wheels are after the spring. But if from a actual like suspension mindset, mm. yeah, yeah, okay, the entire car is sprung, and that's why when you ever if you like drive a truck or something, the the they usually use the term when they talk about mass, like unsprung mass versus sprung mass. Mm-hmm. You want basically, uh, you know, you don't want a whole lot of uh like unsprung mass that makes sense because you lose like feel of the steering and stuff that's why like trucks yeah. kind of feel yeah, yeah, yeah. like everything's happening below you because they've got so much like unsprung mass that's uh-huh. just able to do whatever in an uncontrolled fashion because it's just there yeah, yeah it's just stationary pretty much yeah it's like you hit a bump and there's nothing you can really i mean your tires gotcha, gotcha. the deflection of your tires and stuff yeah. are different but yeah down a rabbit hole again dude yeah science that's i guess i would be more geometry or whatever it's physics man physics (laughs) oh my god see that shows you how much it's beyond my brain capacity anyways you fucking engineer (laughs) big physics guy (laughs) Uh, you're making me look dumb on my own show anyways (laughs) sorry (laughs) props to you actually that's that's i like that that's that's really cool Anyways, back into uh, some more drift car related stuff. Um, do you ever plan on doing a livery or anything to your car? I see. I think liveries look cool, mm-hmm. but I almost think it's gonna become a fad. Like, really? Okay. Because like, it was really cool, right in the very beginning of drifting, like in like the early days of Japan drifting. They started to put like liveries on cars, yeah. and then it became like only a comp car thing everybody else had like clean cars mm-hmm. and then everybody were like the resurgence in the last like three four years of like japanese drifting they've gotten like oh we're gonna put liveries on non-comp cars mm-hmm. and it's almost becoming too available and almost looks and I you know because it's so easy to mess them up i know what you mean it's so easy to mess them up like for every like one good one there's like three that you're like Ooh man, they they did not they did not design that right, or it, yeah. it just doesn't flow right, or something or doesn't look right. Tribal tribal graphics on fucking Google. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of cool ones, and I think the big thing on the big thing that makes like liveries cool is when they're unique, mm. uh, where they they look organic almost, like they they're not perfect. I think the most of the ones that I haven't liked are the ones that look too perfect. Mm-hmm. or they look like they didn't try hard enough one of the two but um i don't know so personally i i don't care i don't think that like putting it on my car is going to be like the ticket that's going to make me think my car is cooler yeah i can agree with that yeah so that's i, where I do think a lot of people have that mindset and they think that delivery is what's going to set everything together sometimes it does so. like sometimes but. if you have like some like wild colored wheels or something like mm-hmm. that's that's what's gonna pull it all together or like if you you're one of those jimmy people... oaks car is a good example which is still the, did you see the coupe that he just did yeah it, i mean it looks really cool yeah um, the wheels are still like an off yellow it's the wrong yellow but it did help the presentation of that car yeah i 
I don't know. I think it still looked cool before. Of course. So it, it, yeah. It, there's a lot. Um, I was talking to Got the bricks, baby. Uh, of course. Ryan, one of the Ryans, about this like a year or so ago, and we were talking about like what makes cars, mm-hmm. and it's to in our when we kind of came to the conclusion of it's the wheel and tire fitment makes a car. Yeah. As stupid as it sounds, like it's not even like. And I'm not saying like it has to be like hella flush or anything like that. It's like, or like it has to sit one way or the other, but like how that sits on the car will make the car. You you can have like a super aggressive tire fitment and like you can have a little bit of wheel gap, like, yeah. and you can still make it look cool, but it has to fit. The way I actually, cause I, I a hundred percent agree with that. If you if the wheel fitment is right, the the entire it doesn't matter what fucking is on the car. It can be twenty different colors. It'll look ten times better if the fitment's right. The way I compare that is actually kind of weird. I <laughs> I use pit bulls. Pit <laughs> pit bulls, yeah. That's my like example. like the dogs. The dog. Okay, so, okay. I'm, I'm ready so, for this one. Pit bulls are naturally very muscular dogs. Correct. They naturally have that built kind of muscular look to them so whenever you see like i don't know if anyone out there knows but designer pit bulls uh, there's actually a company that's called designer pit basically just model pit bulls anyways when you take a picture of a pit bull standing there like like just standing up straight they have kind of a broad stance to them because of their muscular demeanor and they look mean as fuck Whenever they are standing like that, and you can see all of their muscles fucking, it's it's crazy. But that wider stance to a, I don't, dude, I don't know what it is. I, that's why I said it's fucking weird. But that's what I see. I I think I can see where you're talking about. Because dude, like you you sh- you sh- put a picture up of a fucking chihuahua standing in the exact same way a pit bull does. The pit bull looks fucking cool as shit because. He's got that wider stance to him. Yeah, I, I guess like in a very, if like you look at it from aggressive standpoint, like aggressive stance standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Because that's, Cause that's I what I see fitment as, aggressiveness. is. It, it makes the car look more aggressive. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're not, it, it depends on the car, I feel like, of like whether you want to go super aggressive or not. Yeah. And like how aggressive you go. I love that you're challenging me, dude. This is fucking awesome. You're like, I I sort of I will always this is what I think. Off. I love that, dude. Everyone's normally just like, yeah, but to add to that, I'd, I also want to <laughs> you're like, nah. Oh, I'll challenge anybody on some I will <laughs> I will dig the biggest hole. Um No, cuz I I've seen some recently that have like really challenged my viewpoint of how wheels should sit in a car mm-hmm. because like for the longest time i couldn't figure out how anybody had decent fitment in the front of drift cars because my car would um it when i would get to lock it had so much uh scrub mm-hmm. like the scrub radius was so high you know what scrub, okay you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. like the scrub radius was so high that yeah. it would come back and smack one side of the fender or the other Oh, and okay. uh, I was thinking the entire time, I was like, how does anybody have, you know, because at this point, like I was raised up quite a bit. So obviously like the radius of the, the fender to wheel was like super high up. So I was basically, I, I wasn't like, my car's not like skyjacked, but it's not like the lowest thing in the world. Anymore. Of course. Yeah. And I was like, how does anybody make it work? 
and you realize like high offset wheels will bring it in and mm -hmm. give you that lower scrub rate. So if you can figure out how to get that in there and like suck the whole wheel back into the fender well, all of a sudden you can have some really good fitment cars with some decent angle and have yeah. them driftable That's... without just having it be way out aggressive. And yeah. Once yeah. you get that mindset, then all of a sudden the, oh, it needs to be like 80 inches wide in the front to look <laughs> aggressive. Like that whole mindset goes thrown out the window. That's fair. That's fair. I, 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 I do understand think, what you mean there. Yeah. Wider front though than rear for some reason in drifting always does look good. Or yeah. at least it's got to be That's even. the natural drift stance. Yeah. Miatas are naturally like thinner, I think, in the rear or in, in the front than the rear. So yeah, a lot of times if people don't run looking. square setups or like even out of kind of opposite square yeah, setups. Kind of like a hot rod setup. Yeah. It looks, <laughs> Bigger wheels in the back almost. Yeah. It looks kind of funny. <laughs> I think it's Matt something has a, a drag Miata that kind of like gives you the complete cartoon effect of like he's got the drag skinnies in the front and then the the oh, massive like no. stickies in the rear and i mean it's it's a like turbo ls miata drag car like you know i not my cup of tea but i can appreciate it for what it is yeah um and so it, it does that cartoon effect of what you're talking about, the exact opposite of like what the car looks like it's almost uh it was like the cartoon dragsters like a, of like a bubble vector design. Yeah, it looks looks rather strange. <laughs> but at the same time, like awesome. I don't know, too far out to me is just that's I've been thinking about it. That's like one of the things that I don't care for with Corvettes, like drift Corvettes. Yeah. I I think yeah. that the idea of a drift Corvette's great, except for the front fitment on yeah. pretty much you every kit is no like around it. You know, three inches of poke and. Then you got to put overs on it, and uh, you know, I think SLR does a bolt-on knuckle kit that you can get away with, like a stock lower and a stock upper, so you don't have to. That's cool. Do all the crazy stuff, huh? But most of their kit, most of the kits, like uh, do like the ex super extended arms and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, you ideally for drifting, you want the extended lower. Because that extends the track width, gives you a little bit more stability up front. I understand that. But, you know, that was important too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goes back um, to you make your, if you spend your time making your car cool, you won't spend your time making your car yeah. undrivable. Yeah. I'm going to do everything possible to make that the FDF kit fit as well as possible under stock, stock fenders. I will roll the living piss out of them if I, if I have to. But I'm going to try and make it work. That's like my old fenders. Where I was telling you, actually, so those are two four two fifty five tires. By the way, on that, that's why it has a fuck ton of poke. I normally run two thirty fives. I just threw those on there because I had to get it to. It had to be next to a booth at an event one time, for weird scenario. But, anyways, don't hate yeah. me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The fitment's I'm sorry. off. The fitment does look like shit on my we're, car. We're right gonna now. shame you forever for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you plan on sticking with the Miata, or do you have any plans of possibly in the future switching over to a different chassis? So, I've thought about this quite a bit, because I kind of, the Miata is where I always envisioned the final state of it was. Like, okay, simple turbo Miata with, like, a body kit. Yeah. And cool wheels and, like, yeah. 
You kind of do what you expect to do with it. Yeah, and so I, in, I go back and forth on like going to a different chassis or like trying something different. And for a while, I had a NB, just so that one day, like if I ever rounded off the the NA, I could like swap mm. everything over to NB. It'd be like sort of the same chassis but different. I, I love that. I, I like but, that chassis better, honestly. Um, I to say that. <laughs> so I, but I did that right, and I bought this car. I've got it super cheap, and I was dailying it. Like it was, it was like a full car, full driving around car. I actually bought it for the. Oh, it was a six speed car, and I needed a six speed for the NA. No, and so I, I bought that so I could take the transmission out and swap the transmissions between the two. That's that was funny. like my whole thing for it. But um, but then I rounded off the the white car, the NA. Yeah, and just like, I, next thing I knew, I was like getting it set up with Cody to get brought into like a, a uh onto a rack and pulling it out and like put it all back yeah, together yeah, yeah of course after that i was like i'm never gonna get rid of this i'm just gonna Damn. keep fixing it like it's why at this point like why would i get a different chassis even if you like you just brand, you kept it and ended up wanting to build something else you wouldn't do that probably part of me not doesn't want to do that because like like i said i, I don't really like building cars I, yeah i don't like I, I like driving i don't like building cars yeah like i think cool car like cool built cars are awesome like you know do your swaps and stuff it's awesome but like that's not what i like doing i like mm. i don't mind tinkering like oh yeah i gotta change a like a seat out or i'm gonna change a turbo out or something like tinkers like something i can do realistically within like two to three days like yeah. at most like i love doing that stuff but give me a month-long project i don't want to do it fair enough so, then let me ask you this since you are an engineer, and when you do have to work on a fucking car, do you do you get as pissed as us normal folk do whenever you run into a certain way something is built on a car and you're like, fuck these goddamn engineers? I'm actually, so funny enough, I think I am on the opposite side of that because I, I look at everything from the mindset of like somebody had to design it. Oh, fuck off. And no, no. It's never Fuck those engineers. It never turns <laughs> out right. I, daily basis, I, I run into situations where like I make a decision and I'm like, somebody's gonna hate me for this because I can't. <laughs> I'm like stuck between a rock and a hard place of, uh, I have to be able to make it manufacturable. Okay, so you think? Oh, that's so funny. So dude. it's funny because you hear about all the service people about like, oh yeah, you got to make things so nice because everybody's got to service it. No, you know what's more elitist. The guys in manufacturing, manufacturing okay. will look down and say, yeah, the uh, service people only have to touch it if something breaks. We have to touch it every single day. You got to make it nice for us to manufacture. <laughs> right. And we're just sitting here like we're trying to make it so that it actually works reliably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, trying like, to God damn it. we're trying to make it so nobody has to touch it. But like manufacturing obviously always has to touch it because they have to build it. Right. Yeah. But. I, I mean, I want to say I understand that, but still, dude, fuck that. Because so many things, like, I mean, you said, did you, you said you work at a, you worked at a dealership or something at one point? Yeah. So you ever notice that, like, if you take everything out in a very specific order, it comes apart really easily? Yes, but not always. There's always something that happens. Whether it's some cheaply designed fucking bolt. Or whether it's some cheaply designed plastic cover that melts itself to whatever. Like, there, dude, there's always some bullshit fucking thing that happens. Even if you follow by the book instructions. I swear to God. Back me up in the fucking comments. 
please. But I, I'm I, not wrong. I I've seen where I've like now this is all anecdotal, right? But like yeah. I've seen where like I've seen engines installed and running in 20 minutes. My buddy did it while I was talking oh, yeah, to him. Korean on, cars. They they're all in like a yeah. Hyundai, and it was just like in 20 minutes, it went from a block on the ground to in the car with everything attached. I can running. tell you why on that because Kia specifically has it in their like mission statement or whatever the fuck that the engine does not have to be reliable in their cars. They make it to where it's easy to take in and out of because they know that motor's coming back, baby. I think, I mean, a lot of cars are like that, but nowadays, I don't know. yes. But Kia and Hyundai, dude, if you don't know anything about cars and you're looking to buy a car, don't buy a Kia, don't buy a Hyundai. Got it? Thank you. I've heard mixed reactions. I've I've know uh, somebody that has said specifically that like I think Kias are like really good cars or something like oh, that. Fuck off! But, but keep in idiot. mind, if you're working in the service department, you're only seeing the ones that break. Well, yeah, of course, but you don't even have to be in the service department. I see them motherfuckers break all the fucking time. Yeah, I was driving them everywhere. I worked at an auction that God, every fucking one. I set a step into they were just trash none of them worked properly they all had some they weird ass fucking cost. tick to, dude that they, they're dumb cheap and there's a reason they're you the lowest cost with the cars being so expensive as they are oh, right now so dude. everybody's got a pinch of penny somewhere <laughs> and there's like man if i could buy like they're like oh i could buy a used one for like this crazy amount of money because right now yeah, used cars yeah. are so expensive they're like i could go buy a new kia for that so they go buy a new kia and yeah, then there's no. like a million keys. Spend, spend a little bit extra money. I mean, dude, really, so you're, gonna get, you're gonna get fucked buying any new car, anyways, because they're so they're built specifically. The market's gonna crash soon, hopefully, <laughs> for them to make more money after you buy it. Still, so just need the car market to crash. Yeah, yeah. So I can buy a new car soon. <laughs> I'm too cheap to buy like some of these cars at the prices they are now. Yeah, yeah, dude, pay mine off and buy. A, I need to buy a fucking. Grocery getter, something good on gas mileage. Buy a 240. That's what I did. I bought a 240 as a daily. No, no. of course I tried to drive it here and it they didn't are start. Fucking junk. They are, but they're like they have a they're soft so spot cool in my though. heart. I love 240s. <laughs> yes, and all, dude. So many people. Every time I make a reel about that topic, all oh, you guys get so mad. You're like, no, they're not. They're nostalgic. Blah 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 blah. You gotta think about the market. Oh, and that's not my point. My point is they're fucking tin cans. They're not that great of a car. Take everything else out of it. Okay. They're nostalgic. I love them. They're, they're definitely still junk nostalgic. cars, and you're okay to admit that. When I started like getting into drifting, like before I could afford a car or anything, yeah. I would look down the row of cars, and it would be all S13s. And you would see where the rich guy was because he had an S14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it. Everybody oh, had S13s. Funny. That was the only thing... Other than, like, my one buddy drove a Z31 300Z, mm. and we always told him that they were junkyard cars, but that, that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, but now, it's like, I don't know. Overall, they've got, like, the best market in drifting. It's oh, just yeah, too expensive. Yeah. And people want, well, people have been wanting too much money, but if you look on Marketplace nowadays, they aren't selling. No, of course not. Because no, they're everybody put their POS up for ten grand. They're like, "Oh yeah, two forties are selling for ten grand, yeah. and nobody's buying them." The only ones that are selling are like You're getting a bunch of window shoppers. <laughs> yeah. So, because man, I remember. So I bought a 
S13 hatch that uh, from a buddy, like non-running, like no title and did some, you know, Tennessee sketchy stuff and got a title for it and stuff. Cheers to that. And I was like, I'm going to sell it for like, it was barely running, had like no interior left to it. Um, and it was not in good condition. It had like a window broken out in it and stuff. Um, I was on the quarter windows that are really expensive and hard to find. Yeah. And was rusty and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, it's too much. Cause I, I wanted a street car. I wanted a stock car, or like something with full interior and piecing together torn apart cars is the most expensive thing you could do. Yeah. I started pricing out like how much it would cost for me to make a stock 240 out of it. And I would have had to spend like another 11 grand or something like that. Oh yeah. To Just get watching, it back to a stock Watching car. Brendan part out all his 240s and stuff. I was like, dude, you are screwing these people. So I went and I was going to sell Not it and really, I'm like, I could sell it like, for, you know, people were wanting at that point point like a lot of money for 240s and i was like i'm just gonna offload it for like what i think is too much because it's what i probably have in it mm. but um i just want to get what i have in it so i, I put it up for like 1500 bucks yeah and god that was i had I forgot what the exact numbers were it was like 24 people messaged me in 48 hours about that call oh wow to come get it two people asked about driving it home and I had to politely tell them it had not seen the road in at least six years. <laughs> and I could barely like in the in the ad, I was I was very upfront of it didn't run, but I wasn't sure oh, if it just didn't have yeah. gas in it or not. Because I would start it up every once in a while just to kind of you know when like cars sit for a while, they just something goes on yeah. where they just don't want to start. And then once you get them started. And like you get some fluids rolling through it again, it'll well, yeah, start like up the fine injectors after. gum up and all sorts of stuff. Little yeah. things happen. So I kept starting it or whatever, but I never had like put any gas in it or anything. I I think we may have put gas in it when I bought it because it was sitting in the back of Cody's house, mm-hmm. and he like gave me a super good deal on it and was like, oh yeah, it doesn't run or whatever. It doesn't have a starter, so I went on Amazon, bought a starter, plugs, put a starter in it. <laughs> Um, tightened some clamp like clamps on the intake and stuff, and then started up and started right up. The first time Hell it yeah. ran like four or five years. Um, you know, pulled it on the trailer, did a burnout on the trailer, and then Fuck took it home. Right. Yeah, I'm sucker for uh, peer pressure. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I would start every once in a while, but it it wouldn't start when I went to go. When I finally was like, this is not this is not the car I want to turn into like a mm. you know my 240 that i'm never gonna sell and i was like i'm gonna sell it so i went to go start it up and it didn't didn't run and i still like described like all that in the uh for sale post and people were still like you think it can make it an hour home no bring yeah, a trailer dude yeah bring Facebook a trailer marketplace is the worst it w- don't nobody read the description don't nobody even read the title they'll look at the picture and be like that looks interesting hi is this available so many, I got like trade offers for like ATVs and stuff. It was weird. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it wasn't too bad at the end of the day. But there was like, you know, when I had some guy actually come in to get it, there was like multiple other people that were like, as soon as, if he doesn't take it, because I would basically tell people like, hey, if I got somebody coming, like, I'll let you know they're supposed to be here at X time. Yeah, so if, I'll awesome let you know people. after if it sells or not. Um, Because I don't know, I just wanted to get rid of it. And like yeah. some guy ended up just like, here's money for it. And yeah, took it, and so better um, off in someone else's hands that has a fresh like passion for it. No, it went to. Uh, I hope he doesn't watch this because I'll feel really bad like <sighs> talking bad about him. But he because he's a really nice kid. Um, but it was a kid that was like two forty is my dream car. Like I always want one. Oh shit! And I was kind of like, I'm not 
it's not my place to tell you this isn't the car. That's but, fair, you know, you know cuz and he he basically went through that whole situation of like he got it and then like got different KAs for it and like mm. this and that and like took the suspension and messed with the suspension. Yeah, that car didn't go anywhere. He learned something from it. That's yeah. fuck it. He'll be all right. So well, well I think this has been a fucking awesome podcast. I do <laughs> I seriously I love how much he challenged me in this one. This is great. I'll talk smack all day. You wanna... Yeah. Let me know if you guys want to see him on for a, a, another podcast in the future, or maybe to like you could sit in on a podcast and help me pressure someone or something. We could do that. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. But uh, yeah, go ahead and give me your absolute best piece of advice for anyone just getting into drifting. This is the end of every podcast. Dang, the best advice I could give to anyone starting drifting. Like fresh drifting or like just fresh, fresh. No, haven't even gone to their first track day. Oh, keep it simple. I knew you were going to say that. Everyone says that. The KISS method. Keep yeah. it simple, stupid. Yeah, make sure your car, if, if you can't drive the car to work for a week without popping the hood, um, then don't go to the event. <laughs> go work on your car and make sure that it can make it. Because right, like man, a, half, a lot of the stuff is... A lot of the stuff that like you see people having a bad time at a track day is just stuff that like just drive it to work and then you'll see that then you won't you wouldn't have spent you know hundred two hundred dollars to go find that out and to miss all the time that you could be on the track yeah it's like to find out that you could have replaced the fifteen dollar part that you now have to wait a week for yeah so like the amount of people that are like uh because I always tell people to like keep your car street registered. Like, I know, I understand, like, some people don't live in areas that you can, like, street register, like, heavily modified vehicles, mm -hmm. but, or, like, modified vehicles at all, but as long as you can keep it registered, keep it registered, and drive it around before the event. I take my car to work, or drive it around town, um, before every event. That's smart. Because, you know, you, even if, like, you do drive it at a lot of events, and, you know, you're keeping up with everything, you can't hear anything with a helmet on, mm -hmm. and you're driving around. So like things could be squeaking, things can be making noises and stuff, and like you wouldn't know because you got a helmet on. But or like worst case scenario, you don't see it or anything till you get to the event. If you drive it there, like I've caught so many weird things, like my timing belt idler things like to squeak. Oh wow! Would never have heard that. Um, oh. Driving at events, I only found out found it out when I would drive the car to work, and it was like, man, what is that squeaking sound? <laughs> It goes away when it what gets warm. Hell? So it happened once and it's starting to happen again. So I got to, you know, yeah, pull it all that off out. again. But like, that's the type of stuff that like you don't find out and it'll waste a whole lot of time. Working on your car at the track sucks. Yeah. Working on a car in general sucks, oh, yeah. but doing it at the track is like the worst thing in the yeah, world. You get to watch everybody else have fun right in front of you while you're sitting there sweating your balls off. Yeah. It's always <laughs> the hottest day. <laughs> like you're, you're on gravel for some reason. Cause there was no spots left on the concrete. Yep, yep. <laughs> Damn smallest weirdest things Ugh. well hell yeah so uh i guess give me um if you want to plug anyone plug yourself anything like that any companies go ahead oh, i don't i don't work with companies man i get to keep it simple i don't do sponsorship there you go nonsense. well if you want to throw your social out there or anything like that yeah i mean uh i only put stuff on instagram if you guys add me on facebook you're gonna be sore, sorely disappointed <laughs> so yeah, feel free Facebook's to... Facebook's for family stuff anyways. Yeah, I keep it to see whatever people from high school are up to. 
Yeah. And then oh, and the Drift Indie Pub. So yeah, shout out to Drift Indie for having good ass events. Hell yeah. Um, but still come to local Clarksville events. Support your local track. Yeah. No matter who it is. All right, so that is it for this one. I really do appreciate it. Don't forget to check the description. I always have links to any parts that you may possibly need for your build. So go down there, check it out. Um, and that's pretty much it. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And we will see you every Sunday for a new episode. Just too quick for it, peeling off like the whip orange. Seen the effort this piss poor. I got too much, I got a ten to. Car payments and the rent due. Told y'all that I'm six foot, but we.